It's TCP O'Clock, episode 264. The show where we talk about Overwatch. You know what? I was uh, not even going to be snarky about it. There's, uh, there's a lot to get through today. And a lot of, uh, a lot of things to be excited about. But also um, a lot of things uh, to, you know, if you've been on the internet lately, it's just, you know... I hate it here. I really hate it here. I really hate <laughs> the internet. Um, and especially, I think I just hate the people on the internet. Uh, I'll get into what that means in a moment. So I, I found out today that r slash games hates us, apparently. Mm-hmm. So there's that. They absolutely hate us. That's cool. I want to say us. I don't mean TCP. They love us. They, they hate Overwatch. So, you know. I don't know. I don't know. What are you going to do? A lot of misinformation being spread around. I enjoyed the person in the r slash games thread about the uh, Overwatch um, release trailer, which, by the way, the launch trailer was pretty pretty cool to watch. It was really awesome. Some new footage of um, Carico gameplay, as well as uh, Portugal, the new map as well, Esperanza, that uh, has been announced, but, you know, no one's obviously played it yet, so some early footage of that. There's someone in the comments is like, oh, yeah, don't forget... Um, free-to-play pay- players have to uh, unlock all the Overwatch 1 heroes again, over 100 games. And someone replied, it's like, um, that's actually not true. That's only for new players. And this person's like, um, new players are free-to-play. Uh, what's the misunderstanding? It's like, yeah, okay, dude, it's very nice. You gotta spread inf- misinformation, get called out for it, and then double down on spreading misinformation. I do love the internet sometimes, guys. I really thoroughly enjoy being a member of the internet. That's how we're gonna start the show today. Just, I don't know, man. I'm just, uh, I'm at my limit of the internet. I should get off the internet. I'm, I'm actually going to leave right now. Goodbye. Yeah. Now, imagine that this interaction was actually very a very vital mechanism towards your career's success. Could you, could you imagine what kind of feedback loop would, like, take hold of your soul? To, to be, like... I could write this sensible article about a, pro- to- a topic I really care about, and I think people should really care about, and maybe has something to do with charity, or it has something to do with people being earnestly like taken advantage of by forces in power, but I could also write some bullshit and get some sick clicks, dude. Which conclu- brings me to the point of saying Google AdSense is a great filter event, and it will kill us all. Speaking of Google, we haven't even dived into the topic yet. I'm just, I'm just currently, I'm, oh, this is my opening rant. <laughs> so if you're not here for an hour rant today, this might not be the episode for you. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually going to keep it like pretty. You're no, f- I'm not. I'm not going to keep it reasonable. I'm yep. going to go off. No, I mean, I've already gone off on Twitter. I, who cares? Like, the point is, <laughs> if you think Blizzard is going to sell your information because you gave them your phone number, first of all, if you have a fucking phone to even give Blizzard your phone number in the first place, your information is already fucking out there, right? If you've ever used Google, they've already tracked your location from day fucking one, okay? If you've ever used Google Maps, if you've ever, you, if you've done anything on the internet, they already got your shit. If the NSA want to track you down and fucking divulge into your private shit, they don't need Blizzard's permission to do that. They don't need any help from Blizzard to do that. Any it's dumb voice. motherfuckers, any dumb motherfuckers out there that are like, oh man, I wouldn't want Blizzard to sell my information, bro. 
It's too late for that. Yeah. That ship sailed a long fucking time ago. You should have thought about that before you bought a fucking phone. Right? If you use the phone, it's too fucking late. Yeah, because like if I mean, you if you think about it, like it it's not about personal responsibility at this time. Like if you give someone your telephone number and they put them you in their Google account contacts, Google now has your uh number, right? Technically speaking. So like and it's it's really easy to be uh, cross verified in terms of um, like someone has your number and that like some of the people that have your number also have their contacts uploaded to Google in order to be e like easier switch from one device to the other. All the shit is out there. Let's be honest. People are just so naive. I love it. I love it. It's like if you ask Edward Snowden. In what way could I be completely safe on the internet? He'd tell you you can't. You'd have to throw your phone away and, and never use the internet. It, That's how you stay safe on the internet. It's, you fucking don't use the internet. It's it's so weird when like everything that happens in Overwatch just becomes like the stage of like major societal discussions. Like, oh uh, yeah, why, why, why is Overwatch the vehicle for that? Like, it's <laughs> so. Wait, well, yeah, but uh, anti-consumerism and like loot boxes and like you have to grind and predatory systems and children and it's like. Also, these people you, only come out of the woodwork. Boy? These people only come out of the woodwork for Overwatch too. Oh, you notice they never say anything for about other games doing this. You know, yeah, they never say anything. Well, oh fuck me, if Blizzard do it, if Overwatch do it, oh shit, that's uh, oh look, here's Defcon Five, apparently. Here's, here's actually a... I'll, I'll give you a different mode to think about this, right? So, there's a concept called multipolarity traps, which basically means, like, once one actor in a market position goes to a length and finds something that is fit, but maybe that not that morally clean, like, everyone will have to follow suit or get very close in order to stay competitive or see themselves, you know, ejected from the market. Now, from what we know... All of the systems in the Overwatch Battle Pass, including like how you unlock heroes, the progression system, the Battle Pass itself, is actually a little bit better. So in a system, in a market system, if you can stay competitive while doing it a little bit better in terms of, of the moral consideration, you're already contributing probably like as much as you reasonably can be expected to. It's unfortunately, like I, I hate that this is the case, but I think that those incremental improvements are as good as you're going to get. Because you know how much better you have to be at stuff while like not sticking to your absolute like moral understanding. No, everyone has to give way in some way. Either your uh, uh, creative identity uh, needs to move away. Like this is... If you don't understand this, you probably have not worked in a profession on the internet in any capacity. It's unfortunately well, the case. You have to adjust. Holy shit, Joe's eyes just moved. I thought I, I thought his camera froze, but he's actually there. No, no, no. He, I'm here. Okay. Still, he's, he stayed still I'm so good. frozen. I thought he, he was invisible. <sighs> Joe doesn't care. Cracks below me. Joe doesn't care. That, I, that news hasn't made it to Wrath of the Lich King, so there's no bother in the world. I, I mean, <laughs> when you're right, you're right. Um, <laughs> no, I look. I agree. There's not much you can do. Try to stay safe on the internet, guys. Uh, no, it's too Blizzard late. already has everything you've ever said, ever done, and ever will do in their clutches. There's really not much we can do. And if anything, this is probably going to prevent 
Um, not to completely get ahead of things, but this is going to prevent um, or hopefully get in the way of targeted harassment and. Uh, no, Joe, you don't understand. Really shitty people. What What does targeted harassment mean? Uh, why does that matter when uh, Blizzard's going to sell my information to the NSA? You don't get it. You clearly don't get it, Joe. I don't think you understand I'm, I'm being incredibly myopic of I this believe, uh, situation, you know, because um, clearly the public is concerned about the sale of their data, uh, which is about the, the most naive thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. The thing is, what, yeah, I, these days it's, uh, it's a little, uh, too, a little too far gone, I would say. I, like, explain to me what this is about the um, no prepay cards, because because I think that might actually be also a problem from my position because i think i'm not sure how it is in the u.s but like here there's a decent chunk especially children who have prepaid phones or prepaid yeah. phone contracts so i think mm -hmm. that might be prohibited i understand why you might want to do it in order to not you know you want to shut down oh to like link a gotcha gotcha gotcha, gotcha. all right let's know. um start the episode before this introduction sure. becomes a two-hour intro sure. yeah 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 and then, you know what? When we start the episode, I'm going to just dive into a different topic altogether so we can dis <laughs> just, you know, just to make it really difficult for people to listen Based. on purpose. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 264, brought to you by Avila Vista Bebe, Battlecrab, Refine Bean, Bronze Bar Buhau, Picasso, Chris R34444, Cassia67, Lolshin, Porkchop, Sammy, Rex, and Volumel Spoon, that's with the YouTube members, I, Sam Jello, William, Jesse, Wishman, Fileman6, AK, and Chris R. So what the hell are we even talking about? When no context, just the out the gate, started blasting. Method? I'm like the I'm like a, I'm on the Western frontier. I'm a rebel. I'm a cowboy, and I just busted down those like one of those like those doors into the end. You know the, the the ones that just fling open. I busted that shit down. I just started firing. I just started popping shots off. That's what I did in this episode. Just no context. Just started firing shots. This is what we're talking about. Um, so a couple important announcements just came in over the past few days, even, um, about some of the new systems in place going into Overwatch 2 launch. And uh, the main ones that we're going to be, well, actually, we're going to cover all of them. But uh, what they are is um, the competitive play update for for Ranked 2.0, which we'll get to. Uh, but more importantly, the thing that really has people's panties in a twist and, you know, what... When when people's panties get into twist, it twists my panties. My panties only twist when other people's twist. I twist my panties in response to others' panties being twisted. There's a lot of twisting going on, mm -hmm. and a lot of underwear being spoken of. What do I mean by this? Uh, this this what is the system? Defense matrix is what they're calling it. The defense matrix initiative, fortifying gameplay integrity and positivity in Overwatch Two. Now, there's two important things in here. There's two main parts of this uh that need to be focused on i implore you all to go and check that blog post out on the uh on playoverwatch.com the news tab if you want to dive into it and really get in the nitty-gritty of it but there's there's again only two really really important things that we want to talk about number one since we're kind of already on it is sms protect so i think most people know by now that um you have to link a phone number to your battlenet account in order to access of watch 2 so sms protect is the, they describe it as the additional layer of security 
uh, to combat cheating and disruptive behavior, protecting your Overwatch 2 experience from bad actors. So essentially, people can't just easily make brand new Overwatch 2 accounts and either harass you in game or cheat or be disruptive or et cetera, or smurf, or just even smurf, really. Just, you know, that's mm-hmm. part of it too. Um, and let me just check if I've missed any sort of information here. Uh, and the part that Yeska is talking about is the the specific details and fine print about like what you can what you can and can't use so let's just go over it um players across all platforms including consoles are required to have a phone number attached to their battle.net account to launch overwatch 2 the same phone number cannot be used on multiple accounts at the same time and players can't use the same phone number to create multiple accounts a phone number can only be used once when making a new account and certain types of numbers including prepaid and voip cannot be used for sms protect even if you own a previous box version of the original Overwatch, you still need to activate SMS Protect to play Overwatch 2. Discuss. This isn't actually all that new for Blizzard and for gaming in general. I don't know if people are, you know, familiar with like, I think CS and Valve do this. Blizzard have actively been doing this with WoW, funnily enough, um, where you can't actually like use their built in, like, I, th- I think you. It's that you can't post like a uh, a looking for a group of bulletin, um, because what people were doing is they were bots were using it to like sell gold and like abuse it. So this is a system that I believe Blizzard has been using, or at least have been using in the past, or at least recently in the past, um, and that you know other games companies have been you know utilizing to kind of ensure or at least better protect the integrity of you know the gameplay experience um does this cut down on a little bit of smurfing yeah probably at least puts a more a bigger barrier in front of it instead of just like buying the game again or you know uh getting in front of like the free the free to play andy's you know trying to just create second accounts and uh ruining people's you know lobbies so it uh i think this is probably for the best yes it's mildly annoying you said it once, you forget about it, and hopefully, um, you know, your gameplay experience is a little bit bettered because of this, right? So I think there's some serious repercussions if you, you know, want to screw around and find out, as the kids say. Um, because, yeah, once that number gets banned, you're you're banned for good. So uh, you better be, better be on your best behavior, and I think that's a good deterrent for, you know, trying to keep people um at least neutral it doesn't necessarily reinforce positivity but it it, it incentivizes people in, in the inverse way to at least not uh it's a punishment. not be pricks yeah yeah it's also a so, good felt I, i'm method, i'm in for i'm cool with that that's fine with me i'll be putting in my number no questions asked no but then but then the nsa will know that you're playing overwatch you wouldn't want that, would you? Poggers, I hope they see me in the uh, LFGF cat girl lobbies and in the custom games. Sh- shout out, holla at me. Yeah, get at your boy NSA. Yuska, you had some potential concerns about the prepaid portion because I actually, I'm pretty sure I don't. This is going to impact me as well because I'm. Pre- I, I think I'm prepaid, so like, yeah, I'm gonna have to. Mm. I don't know, like. Yeah, I don't know what that means actually. Like how Does that mean I have to get a, do I have to get a phone plan? Like what's how do they how do they how do they check what is like first of all, is this like an American thing? Or is this like yeah, those everybody, right? Because different countries and different regions they, For and, sure. 
you know, some of the phones just not the same. Um, would it would it be less restrictive if it was just tied to competitive? Would that make things a little bit easier for people? Well, I just think like maybe the prepaid portion doesn't need sure. to be as stringent. Like, yeah, you know, that seems very if, very if restrictive. People are really going out and buying like burner thing, phones. Well, that's not that's, that well, Here's the thing: is like, that's still a, that's still a price someone's paying. Yeah, you know, like. It's still a and barrier. You they're, have not, to go they're not paying that to Blizzard. That's one thing. But also, but at the same time, it's like we're talking about like deterrence. That's still a reasonable mm -hmm. deterrent because you have to be. And we're gonna get to the first time user experience in a second. But you have to be. Yeah. You have to be paying for a new number, and then you have to go through the first time user experience again, which is a, a time cost. It's annoying. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like the the whole prepay thing might be a little bit too harsh, and and that actually yeah. could be a barrier to entry as well, even for like someone curious about the game someone very casual that just wants to try it out and then they're like well i'm not gonna fucking get a phone plan just to try off what you know what i'm saying like if you're only curious about oh, it totally yeah. like this is one of those like na centric ideas that like everybody is just on a phone plane and i feel like most of the rest of the world i i, I do have to wonder and that's maybe where you guys can kind of chime in um if that's actually the case you know or if there is like a sizable portion even though you know a smaller you know than the, the majority um, of, of the population that doesn't actually have a contract with a, you know. Because otherwise, Joe, I got a challenge ahead for myself. I'm going to set a challenge for myself. Yeah. I'm going to be the first ever caster of a professional esports league. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go and try and specify whether it's a tier one or tier two or whatever, because that's a bit of a pissing contest. But let's just, you know, the, whatever the... Sure, top sure, end, sure. whatever the top end esport professional, whatever of your game is, mm. I'll be the first one of those to be doing a game with zero fucking play time because I can't play the game because I have a prepaid number. So I'm just gonna, I'm just yeah. gonna, you know what? I'll fuck it. I'll just, I'll just not play the game and still cast it, and I'll be the first. You know, I would, uh, I would haven't have even played the game. Haven't even played the game. Don't touch the game. Still casting at the top level. Boom. That's a achievement. I've got to hope that they've at least thought of that and that being less restrictive on, you know, the, the region that your battle.net account is tied to. I, I don't know how that works logistically on the back end, but I have to assume that they've thought of that. It won't be a problem, but if it is, I think, yeah, that's, that seems like a PR seems like an oversight, let's say. Yeah. I, but all yeah, things I, considered, I'm, I'm down. I don't know. This seems fine to me. I, I guess we'll find out on launch day on October 4th or yeah. 5th for me. Or we'll find out. Like, I'll just be sitting there. Like, can I log <laughs> in or not? I, I will find out live, you know? Like, oh, shit, I can't log in. Uh, do I buy a phone plan then? Like, what do I do? <laughs> Any percent speed run. See, like, you know. World it's a free-to-play game. And not, you don't have to pay a subscription, but... You do need to pay a subscription to your phone carrier. That's what you got to pay a subscription to. True. At that point, I might as well just like buy an actual phone plan that comes with a brand new phone as well. Is I didn't want to. I didn't want to upgrade my phone now, but I might be forced to. Is this is this Blizzard teasing that they've now sponsored, and and, and are now partnering with T-Mobile to be the official distributor phone of provider mobile? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know. I, I thinking about like online gaming experiences and how much toxicity that I have both partaken in as a young adult and teenager, um, and have, you know, definitely received. Um, 
I've always kind of assumed that this was always going to be the course of action where like there's like a voice chat monitoring system or they, you know, they want to tie some like very tangible objects to your account so that if they do catch you messing around, you know, you have to be punished. You you can't just go around so, and just be an asshole. So what we can say is generally speaking, mm. the pros and cons of SMS protect is that obviously it will do a lot to curb bad behavior uh, yes. and all that kind of stuff. But also we may have some concerns about just how restrictive and difficult it is to jump through the hoops. Mm-hmm. And I have to believe that Blizzard know that if, if the, as much as, you know, look proud of you, Blizzard, you want to be, you want to be like all um, PMA and stuff and, you know, curb all the toxicity. I, I, I back that. But if there's too many hoops in place and no one's going to be able to log in, no one's going to be able to, well, not no one, but you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, there's, a, there's going to be a reasonable number of people that are just going to be like, no, that's just one step too far for me. Yeah, right? I'm not going to pick up a, a brand new phone plan just to play a game. There's, I got this, I got too many other games to play for this to be a problem. For this, if this is the hurdle, then that's that's just too much of a hurdle. So, mm. there you go, people. We are willing to criticize. In fact, we do it all the time. Um, it's just about criticizing the right thing. That's, that's the funny thing is like I just think like criticizing like oh I might my data might be it's just the, the most silly thing. It's like if you're gonna be upset about something, be upset about the correct thing. You know, that's what I'm trying to get at, people. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be. You're allowed yeah. to like criticize, but please start criticizing the correct things and not just dumb shit like my data. Oh my, the privacy of my data. Well, you, that's again that ship sailed. You shouldn't have fucking went on. If you've been on the internet, you have a phone that's already too far gone already. You're too far gone. Sorry. Yeah. Let's talk about the next thing. Uh, I, I said we were going to get the first time user experience. I lied. We're going to get to the the voice thing first. Mm. But beyond that, this is the order. This is the order of outrage. No, it actually, probably isn't. I don't know what order. Of, this is all within the same. All right, let's talk about the the whole voice thing. So, um, okay, here we go. Blizzard is basically doing machine learning and audio transcripts to hand out punishments and um, handle the reporting for in-game behavior, bad in-game behavior. So what it's coming down to is, it says here, we are expanding our detection of capabilities by introducing audio transcripts in the following weeks after launch. Audio transcripts Audio transcriptions allow us to collect a temporary voice chat recording of a reported player and automatically transcribe it through speech-to-text programs. The text file is then analyzed for disruptive behavior by our chat review tools. Once the audio recording has been transcribed to text, it's quickly deleted as the file's sole purpose is to identify potentially disruptive behavior. The text file is then deleted no later than 30 days after the audio transcription. Um, that's essentially it. And now this one had people in a bit of a hissy fit as well because mm-hmm. now they're like oh uh blizzard of recording my audio <gasps> gasp shock horror i can't just say whatever but, i want in online first of environments all, anymore well that's not even the issue the issue is people people think their privacy is being breached um I, there was even one hilarious thread on the overwatch forum sorry i had to bring them up uh, mm-hmm. i didn't personally get someone brought this to my attention i've i've long tried my best to not go there. Someone brought this to my attention. Sure. There was one hilarious thread titled, is this unconstitutional? Like, I'm not even fucking joking. That's literally what it said. 
about the whole audio transcription they sent. Yeah. Is, is it unconstitutional? Holy that, fuck. Rem- if if it wasn't obvious person's, enough. Remove that person's citizenship. Holy shit. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, incoming lawyer wannabe student, you know, that thinks they know, you know, the ins and outs. I won't I won't comment on if it is or is not, but I think it's just a little bit uh, obtuse to try to, you know, make a claim that this is somehow bigger than what it is. Um, could Blizzard mishandle something like this? Yeah, of course, any big company could. But let's talk about when they do. If it if and when it does happen, right? It, this is is it a little overreaching? Hard to say. I think this is just the natural course of things when you have millions and millions of people engaging in voice communications uh, on a daily basis, and this being another attack vector for like har- targeted harassment to you know either minority groups or just anybody really, right? Um, you have to find ways to police this. We have ways to police text abuse. We have uh, ways to police uh, in-game harassment. Um, and now we have ways to police voice harassment. So I, I don't know. I This this doesn't shock me. This doesn't surprise me. Is it a little uncomfortable? A little bit. I, you know. I'll, I'll, no, no, I'll, but is it unconstitutional? I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing is... It's... People, people are not even... Again, they're not even accurately being upset about the correct thing here because there's a sure. there's, there's some misinformation out there, um, and people are assuming Blizzard are just going to collect and log and store your voice yeah. data. Now, first of all, again, based on what's already been said here, they are doing speech to text transcribing. That's automatically done. No human being, this has been confirmed, no human being will be hearing your voice. The audio is automatically transcribed to text Mm -hmm. via machine learning. And then that text log, which is at that point identical to a a chat log, it's all in text, is then reviewed. Uh, And then that file, that text file is even deleted. So that even that file is no longer on system. I'm um, actually kind of surprised about that. I think that that's actually kind of a, a well, I mean, once from Blizzard's end. Well, once the uh, the judgment has been distributed, I mean, what what point is there to hold on to extra stuff? I guess is, and also like this is all. I don't know how. I mean, text files aren't huge, but like if you're storing yeah millions of text files, sure. I mean, I'm, that I'm sure that takes up a bit of space egregious. somewhere. Um. So the and obviously. Uh, Despite me saying all of that, there'll be there'll be some dumbass out there that be like, "Yeah, but do you really believe a blizzard? Surely they'll be, surely they're lying to you, and they're just gonna sell your information to blah blah blah." And it's like, "Yeah, bro, um, someone someone will definitely want to sell information about you saying expletives and dropping slurs, or yeah. at best saying Anna Nano me. That's gonna be very useful information to Amazon. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. they'll be buying a." be paying top dollar for that but we'll be paying top dollar for your voice chat logs voice logs you saying monkey 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 i'm sure they'll i'm sure they'll i hope probably, i get better probably, targeted ads yeah they'll probably start targeting with like all banana ads and stuff like that i'm sure that yeah amazon are gonna love that yeah. um again guys you have a cell phone it has a microphone built into it it has gps it has a camera on the phone uh if the nsa wanted to fucking listen in on you it's already too fucking late. Again, 
They don't need Blizzard's permission. They don't need any help from Blizzard. If they want to fuck you, they can. It's just like, you're. it's too far gone. If you have a phone, it's already too late. Like, if it's... Like, try to, like, try to, like, I don't know, get all, like, weird about what Blizzard may or may not do. It's like... Brother in Christ, you have far bigger problems to worry about if that's your concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I, this is the natural, you know, flow of things, in, in my opinion. So, I don't know. Nothing to gripe about here. Thing is, there, there, there might be some concerns in terms of, like, how the translation works, because... I mean... Oh, I'm sure somebody's yeah. gonna get, like, unruly banned, right, because of, like, a mistranslation... Yeah. But I think in the vast majority of cases, this is going to be a net positive sure. for, you know, a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a bug. I'm sure there's going to be an error in translation and it's going to have to go under manual review. And, you know, somebody's going to get locked out of the game. I'm just going to start a couple days making up new offensive terms using rather benign <laughs> like nouns. I don't know. Like, like, why would you alt there, you McMuffin? You know, just stuff like stupid stuff like that. You can't cash me yeah, for that. That's funnier. I'm just talking like, about McDonald's, you know. That's hilarious. Um All my toxicity is now just going to be just shrouded. Like all yeah, it's all gonna be done cloak and dagger. Like I'm you I'm 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 gonna use words you don't even understand. I hope Frick that way comes you back. Can, you can't who? Frick. I hope Frick comes back as like a, an expletive. I wanna run you, around. I've heard I've heard if you use that word, kids. you can't go to heaven. Is what I heard. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. Yeah. Yeah. No. Dang it. Yeah, it's not just that. I, I, to be fair, I think as people from other language communities says, you know, then things that, you know, there has to be a lot of context, and I hope the the approval process is pretty thorough and whatnot. But yeah, generally speaking, like Emma, come on. This is like, I think what happened here, right? If you think about it, is. I think this, as well as the ping system, was probably a direct uh, reaction to... Do you guys remember the whole discussion around uh, using voice chat? There was someone on Twitch in the mm. viewership council. Yeah, 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 yeah. And while everyone clowned on the person making that point... It w it was always... What's the point again? Clarify? Clar okay, the, clarify the point the was, was the following. That it is unfair or a competitive disadvantage or that okay the way this person framed it was very inflammatory saying like voice chat should be banned i think that was never really the best solution here no. what like the the argument though was that people who are of a minority group and or like women correct yes. will be at a competitive disadvantage, giving away their linguistic profile. And I'm going to 100% tell you, if you have been playing online games and paid some attention, then you know this is true. Yep. And you can give me the whole spiel about, you know, personal responsibility, just block. As soon as I, as someone from, uh, from a particular minority or, um, you know, someone with a particular you know, linguistic profile that is offensive to the general gamer, bro, reveal myself by using voice, they are now tilted and will throw my game and will underperform. Yep. And that is not, there's nothing I can do in order to not have this. So what can mm -hmm. you do? A, 
you can give people who don't want to reveal their linguistic profile a good method to communicate, which is the ping system. I think that every online game should have this now, um, and it, it will eventually, like, whatever inequality there is in the system by people just throwing uh, because of the identity you are giving away from yourself by using your voice. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And then you also have to punish those that are toxic for right. all reasons, right? Like, you gotta police it somehow. And that is uh, is also a completely salient point. Like, once again, the the devil is in the detail. We gotta see this system oh, sure. in, uh, in, in practice, right? And there's a lot to fuck up, mm-hmm. technically, it, it, like, in practice. But once again... Like the o- general overview is nothing extraordinary from other game developers and what they're doing. It's pretty much industry standard, especially like pings. I feel like we're a little bit behind, even. Um, oh, for sure. And all of this just helps folks. And let's be honest, like it will just improve communication across the board, like for everyone. I don't know how you can be upset about any of this other than like hardcore privacy concerned people who probably shouldn't be playing video games uh, given the uh, the toss you have to sign and you know that like that uh, you pretty much signed away that by engaging yeah. with it, with Battle.net uh, in the first place so yeah I think generally speaking the this this had to happen and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to how this will be implemented because a lot of people have tried to find, you know, ways to fix toxicity in games. There have been, you know, yeah. they, there have been as many solutions as, as there have been, you know, developers. Uh, you have the, what's it called? The Overwatch system in um, in CS, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. Where, like, you have manual approval processes where people, like, check if someone's cheating or, like, harassing. Remember then the you- Tribunal? Tribunal in in League of Legends, pretty much the same. Um, and there were automation processes. There's there's like reports, how reports work, how they should be treated, um, how you avoid abuse. There, like it's it's a very complex topic that involves like, you know, psychology, player psychology. It involves the social dynamics of your game. How stressful is it? Can you de-stress the uh, the way that game is played so you you have less of that tension going on can you make amendments to your how players interact with your game in order to you know not have to engage in in you know talking to others or you know in in any kind of exchange can they can, can you give them ways to protect themselves for avoid features are great for that like and at the end of the day like yes muting helps to a decent degree nothing helps you from a dude inting the game and throwing it down dude i've been playing league recently it's it's awful (laughs) it's awful dude like i had a guy that was called like 9x this chat or something and this dude was just like yeah i'm a i'm gonna go into the game throw it down mid and then get 9x like it's i don't know what does that mean Nine uh, nine times reported. Oh, right. So so it's like cool to get reported. 
He's just going for like just ruining people's experience. Like there are true, these right? assholes as well, and you gotta have systems that detect those guys as yes. soon as possible as well, right? Malicious like experience ruining is this isn't as far as like you know you pick the annoying hero because you know haha i walled the enemy out of you know their spawn i may no no this is like actively like harassing and being disruptive in like truly unhealthy ways not like a gameplay experience don't get that you know twisted in your heads this isn't you know picking an annoying hero this is being a questionable human. Yeah. Now, being the toxic gamer, the, the secretly toxic gamer that I am, I would still love a system like Call of Duty has where or Warzone, where you, when you kill someone, their voice changes. Oh, is I think that's up. so funny. That's, I think that is that's so hilarious. Because there's no retaliatory action, right? There's no interaction. You just... No. The, the person's you just, just popping them. off. And like sometimes yeah. it's very... Like, of course, people are racist on there and they should be banned for that. But most of the time, it's yeah. just like, oh, how? You know, like stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. or, in, or in, in some funny accent and whatnot. I always love that type of stuff uh, as well. I think like sometimes it's hilarious. There, there are good ways to lean also a little bit into the, you know, into the masochistic uh, toxicity without hurt, hurting everyone. And of course, like mm -hmm. you should probably like those that overstep, of course, need to be banned once again. But yeah, because like assholes, we can have nice things. True. Very true. And now we get to part three of this blog that just, uh, again, the most mountain out of mole molehill situation really. Uh, this entire thing should have just been a bunch of like, cool, yes, whatever, next, move on. Yeah. But, um, Internet gonna internet. Um, <clears throat> man. You really want to see what, like, the the most normie of the normie think? You start going to places like PC gaming and all that kind of stuff, and, oh, God. Man. Some of the comments. And there's, there's, there's two things that are correlated, by the way. The, the titles, the titles and the headlines get more and more basic and also misleading and obviously because here's the thing about uh, modern journalism it's just not even it's not even just about journalists anymore it really just like it's so pervasive it goes into even beyond content creators who also clickbait but it goes into like just the regular people who post on reddit like if you make a thread on reddit it's for whatever reason, because people care about fake internet points I, karma is the weirdest thing that people care about in the world um you're also incentivized to make really shitty clickbait or rage bait Reddit titles as well now. That's just how it all works. And so you just see these like ultra normie Reddits, like unbelievably normie nine to five Reddits, and they're like unbelievably outraged at things that are just not even an issue. So what is it? What is the first time user experience? It is... Let me just scan this uh, this blog post really quickly to see if there's a, there's a mm -hmm. paragraph I want to read out. Well, maybe I can just try and summarize it. Uh, the summary is that all first-time users of Overwatch, so if you've literally never played Overwatch before, and this is the first account touching Overwatch right. ever, like a brand new account never touched Overwatch before, so not applicable to people that 
have already played Overwatch 1, then you will have a limited, restricted experience straight away, um, which people are going to think negatively of, but at the same time, the reason that's happening is because the game wants to ease you into the game rather than just dump everything on top of you. Yeah. So you're going to only have a limited roster of heroes. Uh, I believe it's less than half, maybe like a third, a third to a half, which is, yeah, somewhere between a third to a half heroes uh, out of the current roster available. And then a, a small number of game modes available and it will require you to approximately complete a hundred matches to be able to unlock all the base heroes and the base game modes, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you also can't access ranked until you win 50 quick play games. Quick play. I don't know if it's yeah. 50 quick play games or just 50 games from somewhere. No, 50 quick, no, it does say 50 quick play. Sorry, it does yes. specifically state 50 quick play games. That's for ranked. Sure. The, the roughly 100 matches played is like an estimation of how long it'll take you. So these things are different. The 50 quick play and the 100 matches, they're not the same thing, even yeah. though if your win rate's 50-50, you're probably doing both at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. One is for how long it'll roughly take to unlock everything, and the other one is how long and what the requirement is to gain access to ranked competitive yep. play. So that's the first-time user experience. And again, the justification is, is that you will... It's less overwhelming to have things introduced to you slowly over time, like game features introduced to you mm -hmm. slowly. Um, and you can sort of get used to the game as things unlock. And as far as I'm aware, things unlock at a pretty steady pace. 100 matches has been calculated to be somewhere between 12 and 14 hours. So... It doesn't sound like that. That's, that's not that long. It's not no, really not. not that long, guys. It's really not that long. And... You know, I, I very much doubt that a brand new player is going to be playing every single hero and trying to do everything at the same time when generally the, the, the average experience is that you will focus in on one role yep. and then a couple like of heroes within heroes. that role. Yeah, just a few yep. heroes in that role and you're just going to try and learn the game from there. And then you have people that are like upset about oh, well, like, isn't this kind of like, uh, they didn't use the, I don't, think, I don't think they said pay to win, but they, they wanted to say pay to win, but they couldn't. Um, <sighs> but um, even though, even though I will, I will admit, admittedly, you can buy the Watchpoint pack and basically that, that flags your account as having played Overwatch 1 and you don't have to go through the first time you, so you can just get everything if you have the Watchpoint pack. So in a way, if you want to, if you want to go, if you want to do some mental gymnastics, you can say that it is like potentially pay to win. But then, yeah, I don't want to get, I don't want to really get into that again, uh, because then we have to talk about the whole like, do people really swap kind of thing? Because people are like, well, you know, if you only have access to less than half the roster, then how are you going to swap to X, Y, or Z? And it's just like, I don't think new players are concerned about that. I don't. If you are a brand new player, I don't think you have any idea, any fucking clue about yep. what the meta is and what's what you should be swapping to. Right? No, no brand new player is upset they don't have access to X hero to counter Y hero. Well, you yeah. don't even fucking know what that is in the first place. You don't even know what counters are. You don't know what you don't know what any strategy is. You know nothing. You are literally just a brand new player. You're not concerned about meta at all. So what we are hearing is all the outrage is coming from people who this doesn't even affect. 
Because if you know enough about the game to be concerned about like swapping and countering, then you're already like a pretty veteran player of the game, in which case none of this applies to you. You don't even have to go through this. This is not even for you. It's like, it's like yeah, being that, outraged on behalf of somebody yes. else. Like, it doesn't even yes. fucking apply to you. What, what are you upset about? So crazy. Like, to, to that point, I really want to drive this point home, that if you are more than likely listening to this podcast, you have Overwatch 1 installed on your computer, right? You likely have played Overwatch 1. None of this will affect you. I need, I need everybody to understand that you will log in on October 4th on Overwatch 2's release and have every single hero you have ever had, ever. This is only for the truly new and brand new users to the Overwatch experience that will have a lessened hero pool, which to their like logic, I think is spot on. If we're to assume that this game is going to churn out heroes faster than fucking the internet churns out rule 34 of Kiriko. Apologies to Kiriko. Um, well, it's going to be there's there's overwhelm isn't the word, right? They're not like, churning out heroes that fast, to be fair. It's about the same as before, but of course. But you, you hopefully understand my point. Like there's going to be an increase in heroes. <laughs> not to look at like the two years where we didn't have anything, but like this, this pool of heroes is going to get, you know, exponentially bigger. So you need to put systems in place so that people don't get overwhelmed. And it's, and it's I, anecdotally, I can speak from my own experience that like trying to play Dota, it's a fucking clusterfuck. You get stunned by like analysis paralysis. was like, what do I play? There's like a hundred and some odd different heroes. I kind of grew up playing League of Legends, so I don't I can't really speak on behalf of that, but I can only imagine what it feels like trying to get into League of Legends now when there's like 120 plus heroes with like 18 bajillion different items, combinations and doohickeys and what are runes? What are I don't know what any of this is. How do I how do I just want to play? How do I just play? Right. Sometimes restricting the sandbox makes the progression a little bit easier. It keeps people, you know, entangled within it. So um yeah i i I really because i am much like the average pleb that was like kind of gave this a side eye at first i'm like what they're restricting oh no if you just have the game like we all do you just get everything anyways okay who cares like anybody new coming into the game is probably going to be better off because of these restrictions. I, I wholeheartedly believe that I understand that like might be hot, but like I wholeheartedly believe that restrictions in this context probably help them understand and learn the game at a far greater pace than just giving them every, like all 34, 35 years that we're at at this point. Yeah. So I think this is fine. I do not care. Also gives like a pretty solid trickle of just like, novelty you know like it keeps it fresh for longer i suppose especially if you're into hero novelty and i think a, yeah a lot of people considering like the f general feedback whenever a new hero goes live is generally pretty positive and we've located heroes to be the content for overwatch like imagine being a new player and having that experience you know every 20 games or whatever so mm-hmm I don't know. Like, I'm still on the... Like, if I look into myself, I just enjoy getting stuff for grinding. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's very true to me. Hello. 
Nice to meet you, fellow grinder. I think there's there's a there's a there's there's there is a nice journey to grinding, but there can be like there there are details to it that become like really sure. obnoxious, right? Like there are those games that's like, okay, this is actually like anybody who's like recently played Lost Ark, shout outs to you if you're still playing, but like boy howdy, was that like, you know, that was rough. Warzone you is. put in like hundreds of hours. War, apparently, Warzone's like this. Warzone is like it. terrible in the sense, like, for instance, sometimes we'll have stuff like, okay, this SMG is the best in the game. Okay, right, I want it. Sure, okay, yeah. now for 25 matches, please crouch kill five people in, a, in each match. Uh, you have okay. to play the match to completion. And it's like, oh, and then, like, if you don't have the Call of Duty proper, then you got to do it in Warzone proper. Or in one of the game modes, and like Raws and proper, it's yeah. pretty hard to to get that accomplished uh, for the majority of the player base. And like now, like you're just outgunned, and like in there, it makes a really noticeable difference, right? Like the DPS is different. Okay. The, sure, sure, sure. If if you look at the stats of guns in Warzone, the kill mm -hmm. KD that some guns have are astronomically better than everything else that's competing, right? So. There, it re makes a real difference, and they—I they, mean, it's—it's it's almost blatantly in your face that okay, you could buy the Call of Duty, and then you could go on like, what's it called? This this container map, this small container map that has been in Call of Duty forever, where you can just get endless frags in. Uh, people will who know Call of Duty will know um, that, and there you can just get that, you know. Yeah. In in two minutes or whatever, exactly. and yeah, yeah. and then that incentivizes you buying the game proper, and it's like okay, I see what you're doing. Is that by design though? I, I hate to make this a Call of Duty I think discussion, but do you believe that's a design? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there it's it is a design decision, or you can. Just you don't buy think the that's one. just like a feature or just like a loophole that players have just identified that is kind of hard to mm, get around? No, I don't think so. Especially yeah. because like reliably, the new guns eventually will become the meta weapon. Okay, and they're like sometimes they are in the battle pass, but sometimes they're also part of a, a challenge. And then it's just right. generally better to have okay. uh, the the up to date uh, Call of Duty title accessible. Yeah, I'll I'll say this to to kind of redirect us back to Overwatch for a second. Um, anybody new who starts playing Overwatch two for the first time. I would I would be willing to bet a sizable amount of money that they will fall in love with the game far harder than we all did initially. Because of that rewarding process of like playing games and unlocking heroes and then continuing on, because one of my biggest gripes about the game, like in beta, was that it just felt really, really shallow. Like I could log on and play games and that was really fun, but I, didn't have, I never got a yeah, no, 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 Overwatch one oh, like yeah. way back one. Yep. Um. I, I, it felt very shallow in terms of content because I had nothing to progress through, yeah. right? Whether it be a battle pass or unlocking heroes or doing XYZ. And there was a charm to that. It was really nice and refreshing. But it was almost like I was too spoiled, right? Like I needed something to do. Like, why was I playing ranked? Like, I don't care about my rank all that much. Like, yeah, cool. Like I hit plat or I hit diamond. Sweet. That gets a you know tiresome after a while. Um, 
what else am I, what else am I like killing two birds with one stone with like, cool, I can rank up, but I can also unlock the new hero or like save up currency to unlock X, Y, Z or buy this new skin or complete the battle pass to get, you know, whatever it is. Um, I, I really, really believe that the system as gross as this is about to sound the new system that's coming out with overwatch two with the new user experience restriction um, is going to be a far more enjoyable um, experience that is going to like really entice uh, a, a new wave of players um, in, in a very positive way for for kind of all of us. You know so. what? Like, it's also like one of the most fair systems out there. Like, it really is. If you think about, if you want to play most other free to play titles that have locked characters, how long it takes you to get most of that roster? Okay. I have to make a distinction between in Overwatch sure. 2. I have to make a distinction between the new heroes like Kariko and whatever after that. Mm-hmm. And a distinction between that and the base 32 heroes, not including Sojin and Junker Queen and Kariko. Mm-hmm. Because your your journey to unlocking all 32 of the base heroes is super fucking quick. You there's yep. um, um, Unless you're playing Dota or something where everything's already unlocked, that's a different discussion. But if you're playing like Rainbow Six Siege, League of Legends, Valorant, um, I I don't know enough about Paladins, so I don't know if I want to drop that one in there. Smite, anything like that, that actually has characters to unlock. You are not unlocking like ninety plus percent of that roster within twelve hours. Nope. No shit. You get you, you get maybe you like, a character. Oh, you might get one character in twelve hours. Yeah. Maybe one or I two. I remember when I was like spamming Apex for a while, yes, and I was like, yes. I was, I was on the full free to play path. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and play this game full free to play, see what it looks like. It took me fucking forever just to get one new character. Yeah, it's very right. restrictive and, from like a, from like a pure new player experience. Because I know, because every time I bring this up, you know, all the all the hardcore Apex players are like, yeah, well, I have like a million of the of the yeah. currency. I can just buy every new character. I'm like, I don't. Cool. I'm yeah. a brand new player. I don't have that. Car- like what? Yeah. Cool. Like, yeah, cool. You have it. I don't. Like, I'm talking about the first time user experience here, and it takes me forever to get a new character. Yeah. Um, sure, yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, people, people are also weird about like you. You try and use this line of argument, and people on the internet will just be like, "Oh, uh, what aboutism?" They don't know what that word means, by the way. They ironically, they ironically, them using the term "what aboutism" actually is "what aboutism." Anyway. Um, so they'll bring that up or they'll say like yeah but like i don't care about other games this is overwatch or my favorite one currently that uh, people love to use is like yeah but those games you don't swap heroes you don't swap heroes in overwatch either but uh you know people don't want to admit that yeah, <laughs> yeah. sadly i uh, think that the majority of players probably are you know you look at their competitive history even the, their play rate they probably have like one or two heroes maybe three four yeah. if you're lucky and listen, we, um, we don't need to get into that again because I think we, you know that, that yeah, topic's been done to death at this point. But yeah. it's like the point is, it's like yeah, I mean, like, it, it is a very friendly system compared to others out there in terms of like first time user. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's fair Certainly. as well that you know, like if you're a brand new player coming in, you probably shouldn't be playing Echo straight away because oh, Echo, Echo, Echo's pure Echo's existence alone dictates that you know how to fucking play the game because yes. her ultimate literally copies another hero and if you don't if you don't know the game you're not going to do anything you, this is a very difficult hero to play yeah um 100 percent. if i can if i can re re like word this for people in, in like a positive spin 
just think of this as another boundary that smurfs have to go into right like oh no the the smurf that bought a prepaid phone card or has you know swindled somebody out of their phone number now has to unlock tracer to smurf in my bronze lobbies oh boy howdy is that just so like this is this is a a net benefit for a lot of different reasons yes is it restrictive 100 percent, it is restriction doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing inherently it's not can can i also depend yeah go on go go on like i kind of want to uh add like a different perspective on all of this you go for it okay so i'll get them i feel like and this might just be like being omega tired of the discourse but yes it will matter to a decent degree and like the discourse matters online in how people engage with a product but what first and foremost matters is how good the product is. Let's be honest. We know that like everyone's like wah, 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 about a lot of things. Talk is cheap. Do you show up to play or not? That's that's basically like the thing, right? And that's true for everything on the internet, right? Like pe- people lie about their preferences or people misinterpret, people over-sensationalize. But at the end of the day... It's whether or not they start playing, click the play button or not, right? And that is almost single-handedly down to um, to the quality of the actual experience in the end. And I think yeah. it will be significantly better than w- what the current online discourse, at least in some circles among gaming journalism uh, specifically, is. Lamel. Um, it's, it's also, I, I remember back... Like when Overwatch 2 first came out and people got access to the beta, it was like super, like games journalists were super high on the game experience, right? Like it's super polished and like the characters are so distinct and everything like that. It's still like the the core identity is still there. It's just more developed. We have a more FPS-y experience. We have a more up-to-date like gameplay loop and reward mechanism um we've gone away gone away with a lot of the idealistic game design that if we're being honest like yeah like have your idealistic position like uh jeff had like you will never have to pay for another hero like golden guns are bad uh like you should only play for whatever the gameplay experience provides to you you're not gaming for that dude like 5% 5% are gaming for for that and I feel for you the rest are competing in social status ladders enjoy the reward mechanism the dopamine shots they get from unlocking a new hero enjoy having some you know memorabilia of like titles that you get through the ranked system this this time like people who played Overwatch, uh, World of Warcraft in the past, will remember the Gladiator system. This is a dumped down or like a different version of this, right? Um, this is, these are the things that, you know, add stakes and yes. meaning to a degree to this. And yes, it's artificial to a degree, but so is You're everything. You're a bet your sweet ass it is. <laughs> yeah, so is everything. Like, this is. You, Playing games merely for the fun of the actual experience is empirically just not the only game on the market anymore. 
And mm-hmm. if it is, you're probably not going to stick around for a long time. You're going to play 20 hours, then the fun is sucked out of the gameplay loop, and then you're going to drop it. Yeah. And now that's okay. You have you have ways to elongate the enjoyment that you yes. get out of it, and and elongate the uh, experience of exploring. Uh, take some of the choices off. It ex- helps you get an entrance to a over otherwise very complex game. And I guess we we'll, we'll eventually talk about it, but probably still like in the type of feedback that you get, probably still not good enough. But all of that is still it's still a an experience that there's nothing like Overwatch on the uh, FPS market. It's still an incredibly polished experience. And now we have novelty injections in in healthy cadence, hopefully going forward if they keep it to, to their plan. So is I feel it? I feel like in the end you can sh- we can all chat shit and sure. once again we could also you know eat our words if Blizzard doesn't deliver it's all like you know the launch is bad like all the systems don't work uh, they they sure. don't make good on their uh, promises and mm-hmm. like let's, let's say I don't know like the hero that was supposed to come in season 2 actually comes in season 3 delays blah 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 it could all happen but from what we know right now, I'm I'm fairly positive that while I'm not sure if it will grow to the same phenomena level that we were, because we also hit a very sweet spot in the launch calendar at the time. Nothing really sure. else was competing with it. I still think like this is this is a good direction. It's it's actually serving the type of gameplay experiences that most players seek out. Yes, it's it's not like for the five percent of idealists who make that argument and actually mean and feel it. I feel for you, like that. That's I have no beef with you, but mm-hmm. the vast majority of you, I expect to be falsifying their preferences. And there, you just like whether you know it or not, you'll just be playing like everyone else, like every other sucker. Yep. Yep. You're, you're all addicted like we are. Hello, WoW community. I'm speaking to you. If there is any crossover, which I believe there probably is, you're going to show up on launch day, even though you you lambasted Blizzard for all the mistakes they did in the past and how they're a dog shit company, and you're going to show up, you're going to pay your $60, you're going to have some fun with your friends. Period. The end. And that's the thing. If there, if there becomes like some serious actual launch issues, uh game breaking bugs yeah other issues in terms of just how the game plays maybe just some certain, certain like a polish that's affecting the gameplay those are all very valid complaints that mm-hmm. i'll be behind in fact i'll be one of the first to write that shit up on twitter and go off ditto so yes moving on we, we is, can't yeah we can't like just you know criticize something that isn't there yet we can maybe warn or be concerned about things that may be unhealthy in the future but until they fuck up we can't really do any you know we can't voice any concerns or you know critique them something that doesn't exist so So let's talk about now we're going in good ways the uh competitive ranked 2.0 changes that they've put in there uh separate new article that was brought up today even day of the recording um so we had basically got a bit of a teaser about what the new competitive 2.0 related things were going to be mm. um, for a while now. I believe uh, there was an article. I can't remember which uh, which outlet had the article. Now they did an interview with Aaron Keller and he kind of dropped in 
some uh, nuggets of info about com- competitive 2.0, but never made um, any sort of very wide-reaching discussion or ex- explanation of it. Uh, I believe that's been made now on this new blog post. So again, if you want to check it out, go to playerwatch.com and go to the news tab. It'll be there. First and foremost, something we already talked about, but uh, unlocking competitive. So you can't get ranked unless you win 50 quick play matches. Right, so that basically, rep- because they've gotten rid of levels now, accounts don't have levels. Yeah. It used to be level 25 you had to be before you could play ranks. Now, what I, what I uh, believe this is, is it should be quicker to get 50 quick play match wins than to get to level 25 on Overwatch 1. More than likely, yeah. Because uh, getting to level 25 on Overwatch 1, I remember, I never had a smurf, and I only did it one time, and I can't remember how it was. But... As far as I remember, from people that do have Smurfs, like that shit is always a drag. Like that shit always yeah, feels yeah. like it takes forever. So I, I think no one, thankfully, no one's going to complain about this because this is just standard, right? You have to have some sort of like of gate, gate in the way, some hurdle in place to prevent people from just locking ranked straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, skilled tier divisions is a new thing coming on it. What's well, a new? It's an update to what we already have. So it's new and old. Essentially, the bronze, silver, gold, platinum, etc. ranks have been divided further into tiers between five and one. Five being the lowest and one being the highest. So, for example, gold five, gold four, gold three, gold two, gold one. Um, if you play League of Legends, the system is not too different from that. You basically, within yeah. each of the tiers between you know bronze to, to grandmaster, each of those tiers also has five sub tiers within them. Um, as far as I know, SR does exist, but it's all hidden. So you don't get to see what your skill rating is anymore. That's all hidden information, and that's all deliberate as well, because the idea is that you are not trying to... They're trying to remove some of the anxiety behind queuing rank and some of the you know the constant updates, which can be quite um, negative, especially if you're losing. No one minds seeing the SR go up with a win. That's a, that's a great reward. Mm-hmm. It really does suck if you lose, especially if you're losing in a row and you're just seeing your SR drop. And that kind of constant updating SR uh, is, at least based on uh, what Blizzard research is, a, a pretty negative thing for people's experience in ranked. So they're hoping to take away a bit of the pressure of ranked by sort of hiding that information behind the scenes and only updating you once every seven wins or 20 losses slash ties. And apparently each division represents pro- approximately 100 SRs, so... Um, gold is what two thousand to two thousand five hundred currently. Am I correct in that? Some so, player. so you know, gold five is two thousand to two thousand one hundred, and then gold four is one hundred to two, etc. Until you get to platinum. Yeah. Um, so that's how that is. I'm just seeing if there's anything else I missed. We'll talk about the UI and the reports and stuff later. Just general thoughts on the new skill tier ratings and stuff like that. Currently, anyone's got any? cool. Pretty familiar I- with it from. You know, StarCraft and League. Uh, if it helps people, it helps people. Cool. I like it. I generally dislike everything that delays my direct feedback to the game. Um, I really dislike the only feedback every seven games uh, type of... If you lose, thing. you know you lost. What do you mean? Yeah, but I want to see how much rating progression I've lost because that, that helps me understand how good my opponents were. That helps me understand how the system or it gives me an approximation of how the system values my individual performance and i will also say unfortunately i thought it was going to be in there but 
it's it's not to the extent that, that I'd hoped uh, to give direct feedback on player performance. So let let me let me explain why I have a, an issue with that in Overwatch. I think Overwatch as a game and as an esports title is incredibly delayed feedback in terms of like good or bad gameplay, right? That's both true for playing the game as well as viewing the game. My favorite subject that whenever I discuss this topic is I was at Take TV and we were playing GOATS and I think it was Numlocked that hit a shatter and everyone hit the ground but the opponent Lucio beat the shatter and everyone like the shatter goes and everyone's like, yes! And then the beat goes out and zero people die and everyone just feels jebated in their emotion. And then down the line, now they don't have a beat for the the graph and whatnot and like they loosen the graph. So I don't know, 15 seconds down the line, that shatter was actually very impactful. Now, for the viewer, that wasn't an immediate feedback loop that that was a good thing, right? Um, that that it wasn't as transparent that a good play wasn't just you know completely countered. Even though I will say that's a counterplay for sure in the in the beat, but that it still mattered down the line. And I think Overwatch is very often like this, unless it's literally like getting a kill. Getting a kill is very is the the fastest feedback that you get in terms of um you know like hit scan dps if you click ahead that's good yeah but even dying sometimes like dying is not always bad in overwatch right like dying means maybe you're denying uh ult charge so you jump off a map that's not bad dying per se it's not good to what's the outcome of the map but I mean, somebody kills you dying specifically, but right. Uh, even that, like, I could, I could sacrifice myself into a blade. That's good dying, uh, because nobody gets all charge. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, like, you, I, I guess you don't want to sacrifice yourself needlessly. I guess there are places where you do that strategically, even though that's yes, yes. But dying and something killing gracefully is is about as good. Everything in between that like cooldown usage or like positioning, you have to infer whether or not that was a good play or not. And the, yeah. the feedback that you get from the game, whether or not the, the, your decisions were generally positive and compounded, was pretty weak in terms of like what kind of feedback you got from the game. The best a- estimation of how your decisions were in this map or in this situation is being on fire. And I wish we would have leaned into what being on fire means and had more of a, you know, transparent, under-the-hood view of what what it means. Like, where on fire probably looks at, like, the relevant metrics be compared against the field in the relevant metrics for my hero that I'm playing and estimates that I'm currently overperforming a a certain percentage over the average, right? That's basically what on fire is. Now, mm-hmm. why not tell me where I overperformed? Now, here's here's the thing. I, I'll give you an analogy that I understand why that there's a problem in that, but I think generally you still still get, uh, get to gain. So there's an add-on 
a Google Chrome add-on called Grammarly. I, I believe it's even a Ukrainian company that does it. And Grammarly is one of the best add-ons um, in order to like automatically make you aware of when you have a grammar mistake and like it gives you clarity options and whatnot. The bad thing that editors rightly point out is Grammarly has a an algorithmically determined or like predetermined way to use language. So all their improvements would be very uniform and like there's a fear that everyone will sound the same because of u Grammarly usage. Now transport that idea into Overwatch. If the stats look at, okay, the average Ana heals this much and hits this much antinates and blah, 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 and compares me against the average there, then it is impacting my gameplay by telling me this is what good Ana play looks like when it isn't mm -hmm. objectively the only case, right? It's, it's giving me a direct feedback loop in how to play Ana that might not objectively be the best and might take my like some agency or like will give me the wrong feedback based on the play that I'm, I'm doing at the same time on average in every single moment Grammarly is an improvement over the like you oh, watching sure. a sentence in the same yeah. sense you getting feedback that you're overperforming your SR level by a healthy amount in a particular metric is pretty good feedback right and if you can sort of contextualize this sufficiently, that, that would be great feedback. And we need shorter feedback loops. So there's, there's a difference between like down the line feedback and short feedback. If I touch the, the hot plate, that's immediate feedback. I'll never do it again. If I touch the hot plate and two hours later, my hand starts hurting, I don't know yeah. what happened, right? And the shorter we can make that feedback loop, in good play and bad play, the more satisfying and the better Overwatch will be played eventually. Right? So I wish we had more of that. I think for players like you, they could adopt a system like they have in Valorant, which has a little arrows going up or down. It doesn't give mm -hmm. you any specificity on like how much your rating has gone up or down, but it gives you a general like, oh, it's gone up a reasonable amount. To it. It's gone up a little bit. You know, It'll give you that type of context without going into really extreme detail because the granularity of the specific numbers going up or down i think is a, a good thing that's been removed yeah um it's we talk about like what is the seesaw weighing of the pros and cons here the pros certainly in my opinion outweigh the cons and yeah. you've brought up some reasonable cons but i think the pros still outweigh those in my opinion <clears throat> so to Yiska's point, I think you can have both. The issue is that we haven't really had much communication on Yiska's front of like providing reasonable and detailed metrics and statistics, maybe out of the way that you actually have to like go and look for um, to to really see if you are performing well um, against your peers. Right? Um, I think you can have very. Um, very quiet SR changes, but with very loud statistics, if that makes sense. Um, and I kind of suspect that uh, there are th third-party companies moving in in the works to probably get ahead of this um, in Overwatch 2. I wouldn't be shocked in the, you know, in uh, two years after October, you know, after its full release, 
maybe a year after its full release if we don't have something similar to like an OPGG or something, you know, because they've done this in the past with um, with Heroes of the Storm. I remember like playing Heroes of the Storm and getting out of a game and being like, hey, you did X amount of percentage damage more than your, you know, the average player. You scored within this percentile of, you know, structure damage done, whatever it is, right? Um, I, I think they're... I think Blizzard is capable of doing this. I have to imagine that this is probably put on the back burner um, to try to ship this game as quick as possible. So I, I, I do believe that we can have our, both our cake and eat it too. Um, so I, I, I agree with Avril in, in probably trying to limit the, um, the, the impact, the, the anxiety-inducing impact of you know ladder climbing and the seesaw effect. Also, um, but also having like impact. I gotta be real. Uh, I, when I watch pros, when I watch pros stream ranked and then playing, they always skip the SR update. No one and no one even looks at it. Whether it's up mm -hmm. or down, they literally don't care. Like yeah. that, they. I mean, maybe maybe I shouldn't be using them as a, as an example because clearly they're a different breed. Yes. they're built diffy, as the kids would say. Yeah, but yeah. like, um, yeah, no, they don't. They just skip the SR portion entirely. It makes no difference to them. So, and I think. I think what the lesson there that I think a lot of people need to hear is that if if you are just one percent above the the algorithm that tries to keep you at fifty fifty, the solution is just to play mass amounts of games. You don't care about whether you won or lost. You are playing the odds, and you will climb if you are actively trying and communicating well and being a good teammate and you know performing a you know the best that you can, the algorithm um, will keep, like, you will keep climbing. I don't know. Let's talk about a couple of other things we included in that, because we're, you know, we're, we're stuck on skill tier divisions for a little bit. Um, they are also looking at, uh, before I get into UI, just, fuck, it was right on my mind, what was it? Uh, I had something right on the tip of my tongue there. In relation to, God, oh, give me a second, it was in relation to um, the match report progress kind of deal. Oh yeah, they're removing. Um, no, sorry, I'm lying. It wasn't related. They're removing stuff like your rank even being shown in the lobby mm, right. as you enter as you That's enter the map. Because right now you go in, whatever, and it shows you like, oh, this is everybody's yeah, yeah. rank and SR. That's even being removed right now because I think it, it it all comes back down to. First of all, removing toxicity from the game because people get unnecessarily yes. biased about oh, it. Like you, sure. you'll get into a game and you are, maybe your diamond, you're going to get unnecessarily upset about the one plat person on your team, right? Yeah, because like they're the they're the um, one different, you know. Yeah, and then you're and then before before a, a second of gameplay has even been had, mm -hmm. you're already you're already not happy with this person. You already, you're already have already, a like, bias biased yes. against them. So that that's that's one good thing about it. The other thing is it's just like I don't know, like people you just shouldn't care. People shouldn't care about that. That's another yeah. lesson that I think we've learned from Valorant Ranked. There's a couple of things that Valorant Ranked have done well, and that's one of them as well, where they don't reveal your rank at, in the lobby. So you're just you're just in there fresh. And you know, we can get even further in that because they have like other forms of protection as well, such as hiding your identity altogether. Like your name, if you want, you can your name in rank, your name well, your name when you play. It's just the name of the the, the yeah, character you're playing. Thing. You're just you're just yeah. called Phoenix or Jet or whatever. You don't even have a name. Like so, people can't even identify you. That um, they don't know what rank you are. They can't identify you. You're just a you're just a person there. Which I think is like a, probably another positive thing if we want to curb toxicity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The the, the, um, the only reasonable way why this ever mattered is when people do acute because. 
like then it could be that the system takes the aggregate and then like you it helps you to know that one guy is a, the the weaker player because he's gold and you're playing in plats with you know whatever other than that like if it's not the case someone being in plats but playing with diamonds just means that person has the same mmr like if if you disagree like and don't understand how MMR works, like it, that's and I think a lot of people are confused how MMR systems under the hood work. Just don't show that to people. Like I think it just added too much much frustration yes. of the game. It it yep. seems so intuitively easy to understand, but like apparently it's 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 never been. Just anecdotally, like how do MMR systems work, or how does Elo work? like why how many points do i get those are like some of the biggest uh key searches in every video game that has elo mm -hmm. systems or mmr systems right because people like it's so frequently that people just don't understand think their heart's stuck don't understand like why am i getting three points here blah 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 when i mean to a degree honestly pros don't understand how mmr works best illustrated by the fact that they want an mmr reset if you think that you don't understand how MMR systems work, so the the it, it, there is just no benefit. Like you, you it it just like sh not showing that is the best you can do. Yep, yep, yep. And and to rephrase, because I'm a big proponent of like rewording things. Um, I kind of stole this from like some like card game streamers that I, I or content creators that I peruse. Um. Instead of viewing this as like trying to remove toxicity, because I, I get people like I could I can hear them just rolling their eyes like, oh, we're all not that toxic. Yeah. Think of this as you just not getting tilted as often. You're not having biases and, and loading screens. You're not, you know, getting tilted because you have a gold player on your team. Simple. You're just not getting tilted as much. And you know what that means? You're probably going to climb more. If you're less tilted, you're probably performing better. You're probably thinking clear. You're not thinking, you know, necessarily super emotionally. So this is a net positive for you. So congratulations. I hope you enjoy your more your SR. Yep. Um, the next thing on board was the UI. I already teased this one multiple times. This is probably one of the maybe less exciting things because yeah. we already knew about this ages ago. But uh, there's a new screenshot and that looks pretty clean. Looks cool. Um. And it's it's basically just a slightly more polished version of what we already had in the beta. So it's, mm. it's we're just talking about the scoreboard, right? Talking about uh, displaying the actual data and scores. I mean, this is so highly requested from Overwatch One, yeah. um, while still retaining a bunch of your own personal stats, like your own personal accuracies and what abilities are hitting in some percentages. And there's just really cool stuff that helps you identify where you are in relation to everybody else. Um, Placement matches in season one. Let's have a look at this. This is an interesting. Uh, so instead of playing five placement matches, you'll be unranked until your first competitive update at seven wins or twenty losses. Right. Slash ties. So there's no more. There's no more placement games. I mean, you can just consider like seven wins. Yeah. Just however long it takes you to get seven wins is your placement games. That's your yeah. placement. Um. So again, not super remarkable in terms of information. Cool. That's that's it. Is what it is. Um, I believe they are also resetting some rank per season so that you are being dropped lower per season. That's a pretty standard thing. You're, you're, I think you're, you're generally speaking dropped one tier yeah. below. So if you finish diamond one season, you will start and play it the next season, something like that. Yep. Um, 
this is a little bit more interesting uh, game reports. So these, this is not reporting somebody in game for abusive behavior. This is like, this is what I talk about. This is like an after action report about yeah. how well you did and what things you did. So one of the things that um, uh, is quite important in this new competitive experience is the game wants to teach you something. The game wants to teach you what, tell you what you did wrong, tell you what you did right, have things for you to focus on. And uh, I believe this is a very, this is a thing they're, they're definitely going to be working on for a long time because they want to be able to, again, show you ways to improve the game. Um, but essentially, the game reports is like, right now, you you can look at like your win-loss record in, in your basically your match history. Uh, the game reports allows you to expand that in more detail that shows your statistics within that, your different heroes played and different stats on those heroes. Um, length of the game, score lines, you can view the replay within it um, and when you really zoom into each hero you can see more specific stats specific to that hero <gasps> excuse me and um, again in future they want to so here it says in a future update you will have your recent play matches persist across sessions meaning even if you log off you can jump back on and review them at a later time we'll introduce it we'll also introduce a timeline feature to check out key moments from the match and review the final results of the scoreboard League of Legends actually does something like this right now where if you want to view a replay in League of Legends, there's actually a scrubber, a timeline scrubber, that has all the important moments on there. Like when a teamfight occurred, who killed who, uh, yeah. when a tower was broken, all that kind of stuff, so you can skip to specific areas of the game. Um, in, in terms of that, I believe that's something they want to try and implement in Overwatch eventually as well, which is quite interesting because it means they will have to define when and where fights happen to be able to give you an accurate timeline of a here is fight number one, here is fight number two, so on and so forth, which also is a very interesting thought piece surrounding the Overwatch League because it means we get far, we can potentially get far more detailed stats for Overwatch League where we can break down a match in specific fights where the game recognizes this is when a fight started, here is when it ended, and here here's the various things that happen, which can, my hope is, give you stats like first death, first blood, who is getting first blood, who is getting first kill, first death. In those kind of fights in those situations how many times is x or y player winning a 2vx 3vx 1vx turning around and clutching all those kind of things and you know what is the alt exchange and all that kind of thing like we can get into some really granular granular stuff on the overwatch league eventually based on this type of like you know uh match reporting you know just within the game system you know what's hilarious winston slap had that in 2016 <laughs> yeah exactly that system. boom got him yeah, yeah. Hashtag I think I think it's good while that is true um, that you know Broy and Winston's lab had this you know, actually years ago did that one I think with the Apple Broy back in the day yeah. um that said you know it uh I think it's best that this is in the client uh we have better definitions about what is the thing that we all refer to right what is a team fight how long is a team fight when does a team fight start when does the team fight end? Um, that that sounds like it's going to be clearly defined for the general user base very very soon. Um, this also gets back to Yiska's point of you know, having more detailed statistics and being judged against your peers. Um, yeah, I, I think this is just for the best. Should this be like thrown in your face every thirty seconds? Probably not. You probably need to go and like have some barriers to find this, um, so that people aren't like 
negatively impacted, I suppose. Um, but I, 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 you know, from playing years of games and, and trying to improve, I think one of the biggest things is reviewing your own gameplay and really seeing and trying to, you know, dissolve any kind of uh, bias you have on your own gameplay. And uh, VOD review is is a is an important skill to learn and the fact that overwatch 2 plans on implementing that uh, on, a, on a pretty detailed scale uh, i think that's again only for the betterment of the player base so congrats overwatch 2 new user enjoy your fresh sr because you are going to be more prepared to to earn it i think it's a good change Any further talk on that? I mean, okay, we can go to look at top 500 leaderboards. Those will still be there. Um, skill decay and competitive. We kind of talked about that already. Uh, competitive rewards. Uh, they want to remove, I believe, I think they want to get rid of the, the icons and the sprigs because apparently that wasn't very, you wouldn't really care about that, supposedly. That sh shock me, uh, but they want to include limited time well, limited time is probably not accurate. They want to include temporary rewards like titles um, for rank. When I say temporary, I mean it lasts for the whole season until the new season starts. Or rather, mm -hmm. it lasts... You receive it upon the new season starting, you have it for the whole season, and then the new season begins, you lose that title and get whatever new title you get. So for I don't know what it is, but it could be something like you, you finish Grandmaster and your title is Grandmaster Season 3. Whatever it is, right? That could... As an example, uh, I I completely made that up, but that could that sure, is yeah, yeah. hypothetically a possible title reward, stuff like that. Um, I just you can still get you can still get golden guns, yeah. Uh, so that's still a thing. And however, we'll be capping the number of bonus competitive points earned at the end of the season to the highest skill tier you reach in any of your roles, including open queue. Cool. Yeah. Right. I I, I really wish there was something. Uh, are more of a prestigious award for people who have climbed the ladder, right? Not not in the League of Legends way, where it's just like gold gold players get like a free like skin at the end of the season or whatever. Um, and the, again, this it, what what boggles my mind. Not to get on kind of complete tangent, but like Blizzard does a lot of really 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 good things across their games, but for whatever reason, they don't like pick and choose. I think some of the most successful ways to implement them. I I really do believe that like top like yeah i guess top five what is it top 500 top 400 top 500 i think it is um probably should just get like a seasonal skin that like nobody else can get and you you watch people like clamor at that and like chase that like carrot and want to improve um i i think it drives players so so terribly much um that you would see a, an increase in both overwatch league content consumption and interaction with statistics and third-party programs to improve their play and also engagement. So, yeah, ranked over. Yep. All right. What's next after that? So we talked about all the... Was there any other... Uh, I've watched two news. I think we mostly got it. There's been like a show pretty much all on that so far. But to be fair, there was a lot of new yeah, stuff. So if we're happy with that. Got some games. Then we got some games. Games. 
Some games. Some gamas to play. Um, who wants? Is it? What, what, we're not going to cover every single game, so why don't we do this the, the way we normally do? Yeah, yeah. Let's just bring up some highlighted matches that people want to kind of talk about here. Um, starting with NA and yeah, go. Man. You can go first. Start from the top, Joe. Start from the top. What was no, the top no, first match? no, no, just, no, just whatever you top. want. We're not doing this yeah, chronologically. Yeah. No, I, I think I think we rightly pointed out last show that there was going to be some some heads turned regarding the Toronto Defiant. You'd looked at their <sighs> head turners. <laughs> definitely head turning, not in the not in the good way. Um Toronto coming off of like a, a franchise high um is difficult to maintain, first and foremost. Secondly, it felt like they had hit their mark on the meta. They were overperforming. I think their, you know, their season highs. Um, they they were just, you know, catching lightning in a bottle. It was not easy. It was not expected to maintain. So I came into this week with a lot of like hesitation on like how good they would do. And I think they kind of surprised me a little bit with Atlanta, but the loss to New York really kind of like colored my view of how I think their the stage is going to go for them and I think they're probably going to be probably performing a little bit under their uh their their skill skill floor their average I suppose is a better word um they looked really really uncomfortable with a certain things and some of the lessons that I feel like a lot of teams learned in kickoff clash that they feel like they have to be relearning I don't know seems really odd I think I think they were a big talking point amongst the community um and and how bad or you know how yeah I guess how bad they were performing um and I don't even think it's that all that bad I think it's just a shifting of resources and you probably can get back to like a pretty reasonable degree when you look at like the New York game not only did like Flora just have an absolute overperformance this kid was pounding like a just like a hammer I don't know things that pound um but i think specifically i think a finale got a little bit of flack regarding like positioning and like oh he's just a bad player i think it's like a targeted coaching decision to see him like be very backline focused with the reaper in particular i think the king's row is like a big example of this um where he's it feels like toronto in general just kind of ignored the the new york excelsior tank player on whatever hero they were playing and I don't think in a meta where like Winston and Wrecking Ball and Doomfist, you can really feasibly do that. I think you need to kind of keep them in check in some way. Both teams just kind of felt like they were ignoring uh, the front lines of their opponents. And in that scenario where you have your star player in Hisu playing Sombra to like a solid degree, it's one of his heroes for sure. Um, it doesn't shock me. Um, when, when Flora having an incredibly on game and then Yaki on the other hand, who does a lot with very, very little resources, you go back to their push game against New York and you see him just terrorizing Hisu. Um, it doesn't surprise me that when you base race New York Excelsior, that New York Excelsior kind of get ahead. So I think for Toronto's sake, I'd love to see finale kind of be on tank duty and you move Hisu back onto heroes that he's a little bit more comfortable with. Um, not to say that his Sombra is uncomfortable, but it feels like he has less of an impact than he would on the Ash, on the Sojourn, on these heroes that do seem like they are in the meta. Um, but for whatever reason, they just don't want to play him. So, 
yeah, I, I think Toronto did have a little bit of a market correction, but I don't think it's completely like so boohoo for them. But they're like so the meme currently in the community is that they are the perfect point five hundred mid team because they have exactly a ten ten record. They're exactly seventh place, which is in the middle of an A. Yeah. Their map record is even exactly perfectly even, right? So they're they're a bit, they're literally as mid as possibly mid as you can be. Yeah. Which I think is an achievement because that sounds like it's hard to do. So I'm like, holy fuck, play back into that. Very true, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. Is that where they are power wise? Do we do we think they literally are seventh best in NA? Like they're just the the exact middle tier, or is, are they like better than seventh? Because here's, would, I mean, here's it, the other thing. Here's the other, real quickly. Here's the other thing. You have yeah, to be top yeah. six to make into playoffs True. as an auto qualify. Or otherwise, you have to be in play-ins or you get eliminated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it um, for me, Toronto just off of their recent performance, I would probably have to say that they're not mid. I'd probably have to say that they're a little bit below mid. Um, so below seven. Yeah, I would say I would Holy probably shit. say eight. I would not too far below, just like eight, just in terms of like a feeling. I'm not like sitting here judging all the teams out, but just in terms of like from one to 13, how how do I think of this team? I think they're just a little bit below the average, the average being the mid. Um, because I think there's there's like very simple things that you can improve on to like push them back into the, the conversation, to put them back at being mid or even above average. I think one of those, again, give Hisu the ball. Give him the, the power to actually hard. make these... Huh? Sorry, I was just joking about you hating. Oh, anyway. yeah, no, I, I, I think Toronto has a lot of like power. It's just not directed really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Hisu in playmaking positions. I, I, I think they need to figure out who their second man is because I really don't care for Aldo. I think he's kind of just absent for a lot of the game. Um, we saw him on Dorado in that New York Excelsior game. Really wasn't for my money all that impactful. Um, I think. Unfortunately, and this isn't great analysis, but at the end of the day, when you see somebody like Flora just have like a mind-blowing performance against his like history, you kind of have to just wonder if they played this game out a hundred times. Does it look the same way? I would have to say it doesn't. But there again, I do think Toronto probably should be winning those games more often, uh, or, or rather more cleanly than they are currently. So yeah, I would say that they're a little bit below average currently. Yeah, not by much though, not by much. Yeah, I I feel like we're we're, we're almost prophetic in what we said um, when we talked about them, and I I know like yeah. Toronto fans were kind of in disbelief after that that type of performance, which is fair. I mean, it's hard it's hard to not be right. Like you just had a you just had a season high in every other sporting like title in the world. That's that's a that's a metric of success. That's a metric of like omens of you know improvement. Yeah. That's not unfortunately in esports, kids. That's not how things work. I don't know if you've seen some of these yeah. patches, but they absolutely gut strategies and they have to relearn how to play the game. Yeah, this is a lot of the lessons that we learned in Kickoff Clash. A lot of teams are having to like refresh on. It's it's not that simple. So, as much as I I, I don't like shitting on teams, right? And I, and this isn't me shitting on Toronto Defiant. If anything, like I do think they have potential to actually be a good team. It's just not directed in the in the right ways, I think, currently. Mm-hmm. And that can be just wa- hand-waved away with, it's week one, we're still figuring things out. We had some difficult opponents. Again, maybe we, maybe we slept on New York a little bit in terms of just going into a shootout. Do you want to enter a shootout with a Flora that's actually, you know, 
actually just hot handing it and Yaki, right? You like Yaki had an an absolute like not masterclass, like what's what I'm blanking on the term, like just just an absolute like a diamond vintage class. No, no, vintage class. vintage Yaki performance. Just being an absolute nuisance. Doing so like I I I think the season. I, I have a hard time. Maybe Venom is another good example, but I think that like Yaki is one of the best low resource tracers like in the game. I think he is an absolute phenom at just being this pesky little annoyance in the backline. And you go and ring watch. I get the pocket Kellen. I mean, yeah, kind of. And it's anyway. like you you go back and you look at Hisu's POV. You look at like how much his attention's being juggled on push and on Dorado. Um it i i i i would anybody in the world would perform worse when you're playing against somebody of that caliber i credit to yaki there i think he had a great performance i think flora had a great performance i think new york's on the mend a little bit granted you know it's only week one um and toronto has some has some room to grow uh, I'll, I'll leave it there but i think you know marker correction stands they have to be you know bumped down quite a, quite a few pegs I would have I would have assumed that a Hisu Sombra meta would be really good for the same. And I don't mind them committing to Hotbar. I think that's the right call to make because like Agreed. we are in my opinion the the meta is heavily shifting towards the off tank look, especially on Zarya, which is one of Hotbar's good heroes, right? Yep. Um, they obviously can play Lucio Mori. Like if, as far mm -hmm. as hero choices go, they've got no grievances there. So I'm not too sure what's going on in terms of um. That level difference. Obviously, New York has a very different look because they're playing Kellen. His strength is going to be in the Winston. I, for one, think the Winston is still pretty good oh, as sure. just a general dive hero. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when you have a Sojin on board and Toronto is not quite playing the Sojin as much because he suited play the Sojin one time, did he? He was uh, playing Sombra and Ash, Sombra. right? Yes, correct. Yeah, I mean, like, Sojins can still have that pop off. And, you know, if, if Flora does those things, then boom, you know, that's. And it was a noticeable improvement when Toronto had him on Ash at the end of King's Row. Yes, of course. Like, that is an extremely successful spot for an Ash on defense on King's Row third. But that aside, I think you have, you have figured out what this kid's role is. And yes, his Sombra is very fantastic. But like we said last show... Sombra is kind of a supportive DPS. He is your star player. He, you, you have, you have crafted him. Congratulations, Toronto. You have found your franchise player, put him in the role that he has kind of carved out a niche for himself in, right? Allow him to be your hit scan player. You need to figure out who the second man is in this DPS core, or you can't afford to put him on Sombra period. The end. I think the reason is because they want finale Reaper to be a reason. Um, Finale with the three hit of um, Reaper, Genji, Tracer together. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I think although they only, clearly they only trust him on the Tracer, Genji, Genji yeah. I don't know. Uh, Reaper shouldn't be that hard. No, Shooty Man, Reaper, I, I can't, can't be that difficult, but apparently, um, apparently people rate Reaper skill enough that Dallas are willing to put Edison <laughs> on Genji just because he's got the extra Reaper and they'd rather have that than Sparkle. True. Yeah. Which, I'm not saying Dallas are making the wrong call because they're obviously winning. So fuck it, yeah. they're probably making the right call. But I'm just saying, like that's the value that the value that people are putting on. Like, hey, how good is your Reaper? Well, we'd rather put yeah. you in than the other guy because of that. 
And it's so. and I think Finale had some questionable decision making, and I think that's a lot of what like Reaper is. But like, it is a very particular. What's what's the saying? When when something happens once, it's a coincidence. When it's like twice, it's a something. And then when it's three times, it's like a like it's a pattern, right? And you constantly saw Finale diving the backline, ignoring is, the tanks. Twice is a habit. Three times is an addiction. Sure. Yes. Right. Okay. I'll I'll take that. I Finale that is addicted. I just made that up. <laughs> I like it though. I like it though. Finale is addicted at trying to dive the backline and and attacking supports and attacking the enemy DPS and just allowing Kellen to just run amok. I don't think you can you can do that, especially when he is giving Yaki so much of a springboard to just get into that backline. Right. You look at I think it was Aldo on Dorado. App like. The most bullied I have ever seen a tracer in my life. It, just the most passive. Couldn't get a, a word in edgewise in any of these discussions and allowing Yaki just the straightest path into that backline just, just to just to wreak havoc. Um, so for Toronto, you have subtly one of the best support lines in the game that can make plays. I want to either see that increase and I need Twilight to get on his his high horse and start making some some chatty moves or I need Hisu to get back on his hit scans because Finale can't do it. I don't think Reaper is going to be the pop-off hero you need him to be. We've seen him on Tracer in the past use, you know, relatively well at busting Doomfists, but that's not necessarily always going to be the case. So either you shift his role around to be a tank buster or you have to move Hisu back in. Isn't that what Reaper's there for? Reaper's there to be a tank buster. That's the whole yeah, point. Yeah, but they don't play him that way. That's what I'm saying. They keep sending okay. him into the back line like an assassin. And I need I need his, his role to straw. shift. That's the final straw. I, this is KDG's fault, and they need to get rid of him. <laughs> the blood needs to be shed. No, like, it, it, they're so close. Like, this team genuinely can be a playoff-caliber team. They just need to tweak things. And again, it's week one. It can happen. That's why I can't just shove them to the bottom. They're just slightly below average with a lot of room to improve and a lot of, like, room to grow into themselves. You put Hisu back on Ash and Sojourn, and you put Finale, maybe even put Aldo on Sombra, and I guarantee you they have a better performance next week. Who do they play next week? Okay. Do we have that? We can find out. Toronto. They, they play, play Shock and Vancouver. Okay. I'm not going to lie. If you zero make some of those changes, <laughs> I don't think it's a zero two week. It might be a one and one week with the upside of a two and a week. I don't particularly rate Shock right now. And I think Toronto with a couple of tweaks and some good scrims, I think that match could be a lot closer than people expect it to be. Yes, do you have any thoughts in Toronto? Otherwise, I'm moving to the Shock because uh, Joe brought up to the Shock and I'm going to talk about the Shock. No, I, I think, like, generally speaking, I'm kind of, uh, as this week might have revealed to us, I think having one of those Sombra Ace players in the league doesn't necessarily mean you win games. Um, so, yep, bingo, bingo. Yep, correct. That's, uh, unfortunately, I mean, it, that wasn't a clear pattern that I mean, made it... Made I think that just proves that Sombra is, like, she's good in the meta, but she's not the, the position or the hero that defines yeah, the oh. game. No, and it gets to the point where even Shanghai is like, no, we'd rather have Lip on the Sojin. Legitimately, yeah. they they stopped yeah. playing Lip Sombra so they could play Lip Sojin because they believe yeah. that Sojin would have a better chance of controlling the game with heavy right. impact than a Sombra. And I think that's probably true because you're seeing multiple teams with like historically star Sombras, like kind of just like okay, yeah. maybe the exception of Fitz. I think Fitz has been 
doing very well in the Sombra as well, but even then I could see I could see Soul moving away from that also. Um so let's talk about the shock. Now this was a very potentially surprising no, let's I'll just say it is a surprising result. Oh, yeah. No one expected Shock to go 0-2 in the same week. I think there was a stat line somebody brought up, like how how often Shock had gone 0-2 in a single week, and it's abysmally low. As in, they never go 0-2. They mm-hmm. always win at least one game per week. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, let me address the elephant in the room. Obviously, people are talking about the, oh, the proper eye injury, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not entirely sure what that's all about. I feel like there's not this. I mean, I don't expect players to really go in depth and explain it. You know, these, if he does have a thing going on, a condition, he's not going to fucking give me the medical term in his <laughs> doctor's note, is he? But yeah. um, I feel like it's a little bit underbaked in terms of our understanding of what that is, if it oh, even sure. is, and if it even is anything, because we, we don't know. I'm not saying he's lying either. He might actually legitimately have a problem. Yeah. But. Shocker clearly, it's clearly not a big enough problem that Shocker willing to rest him and that he's going to bench himself yeah. for it. So he's still proper, still playing, even regardless of that. And also, like, I, you know, again, I'm not saying he's lying, but I, I know there's been teams in the past that definitely say stuff like, even though, again, I know proper sitting on the team, but these excuses sometimes come out. And the, the, the wrist injury one is a super popular one, um, which is why I, you for know, sure. at least I respect that Shocker at least using a different body part. You know, you can't always <laughs> just rely on the wrist, guys. We're moving on to eyes now. Uh, next, we're gonna get like a, I don't know. I have a um, my toes hurt. Ah, yeah, bro. my toes my hurt. Toes. And my cup. Yeah, we're gonna, we're just moving through all the body parts here. You know, every 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 team every team shock looked like gladiators. Like motherfuckers, they use the wrist one again. Now we can't use the wrist one. Shit. What do we got? We got. We, uh, go for the eye. You use the eye one. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, but on a serious note, yeah. Like I don't know. We just I feel I feel like we just don't know about it. I'm not willing to say. It is or isn't the reason. I'm not willing to say that. Oh, it's bullshit. Proper's lying. Shocks. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I'm also not saying that's like absolutely. That's oh yeah. It's definitely because of that. Because I'm seeing a lot of other things in the gameplay as well. What Agreed. I'm seeing is. Agreed. What I'm seeing is way too much wrecking ball. I talked about this on Platchetter. <laughs> I I do not think the wrecking ball is good. I think generally speaking, it is a bad here in this matter. And I'll explain why it's a bad here in this matter. Um. The reason why is because we are very specifically on a Sombra and a meta. Yeah. Those are two very big heroes in this particular meta right now. We, I know we just got off talking about like, oh, you know, maybe Sombra isn't like the carry. Mm-hmm. Cool. She still shuts down a ball. That's yeah, like, that's, the word yeah, there yeah, is yeah. the carry. That's fine. She's not she's, good. She, maybe, maybe she's not a fucking Genji nanoblading, but she'll still yeah. screw up a ball gameplay. She will still make balls life hell. Right? Uh, that will happen. Um, and also, here's another thing. People forget in the patch notes, they made it so that green HP now gives you half alt charge. It used to be you can't get any HP uh, alt charge off the green HP. Now you can half of it. So Ball starts to feed a, a reasonable amount more alt charge when he pushes his button for the shield because that's all green HP. So that's actually indirectly a nerf. I don't think it's the biggest nerf. I don't think it's like you know ball breaking, <laughs> pun intended. But it certainly doesn't help the ball in a meta where two of his biggest counters are in play. Yep. Um, and just he's just worse than Winston. And Winston is already struggles. Winston, I think, is not bad, but Winston struggles because there's also a lot of Reaper in this meta. And Winston yep. also has a bit of a interesting relationship with Sombra as well. So I'm not going to... I don't think... It, Sombra's being a little help, field definitely don't help a Winston. I mean, it helps if you have it on a Sombra on your team, but against another Sombra, it's really annoying for Winston as well, understandably. Sure. So... 
I feel like Shocker picking some wrong heroes. Um, uh, hearing some of the other guys talk about it, they weren't super impressed with Sam on the Sombra either. Sure. Uh, that was that was brought up as a as a thing for attention uh, in terms of brought to my attention or just brought to attention. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a little surprised they're not playing more Kaluge because yeah. as far as I see in the NA meta and, and from what I've been told and from what I've seen. NA is mostly Diva Zarya and a lot of Diva. It's a shitload of Diva. So much so that Dante's even playing the Diva. Um, so the fact that they're playing a lot of Mikey does surprise me. And, and you have to consider these are two players that haven't, especially in the Summer Showdown, have barely been into the team. I, I, don't, I don't think Sam and I don't think Sam and Mikey got any game time in Summer Showdown. I think they were literally benched for a whole stage. So you're reintroducing two players that have been mostly benched. Mm-hmm. And um playing certain heroes that I, I personally don't believe and I think those things all contribute to shock losing and, and then beyond the final note about it before you know I pass to you guys is that um, if proper is having issues then this also exposes a lot in the team because we, we'd all already had made comments I, I believe most a lot of punters have made comments about the fact that proper absolutely carries this team not saying that other players are not good but there's been many op- situations where if proper isn't pulling a fuck ton of weight yeah. shocked literally don't get across the line can i can yeah. i jump in there on where he actually that's all pulls i had to say anyway. that's all i had to okay. say so you go for it i think the shock the what i think this this in my conspiracy board i don't remember what show it's from like the strings all over the place i think this all makes a whole lot more sense now and and maybe he does have an eye injury i think you could probably like i didn't actually know that context but like that given to me actually makes more sense i don't think it excuses some poor performances some odd hero picks i i I think those are rightful criticisms but what i think the san francisco shock of 2022 suffer from the most is a like very suspect neutral game that is hard carried by proper's opening kills i think he frags and just smooths over any kind of rigidity they have in approaching neutral fights in approaching just the neutral, like, how do we approach this? How do we engage? We don't really have to think about that because we have proper go kill. We can always rely on proper just going in, pulling a resource, getting a kill. Boom. We don't really have to worry about that's our go. We go in, we have numbers, we have more resources, we can win, we steamroll them, right? And I think that explains a lot of the times, especially on live, you know, in land settings, when you don't have a consistency of that, you tend or for this team, rather, you see them maybe having to play from behind. That's the big narrative, right? They they drop 0-2 to, to Washington. They have to climb back, right? Either Proper has to warm up or he has to find and, and feel comfortable on stage, whatever it might be. And when he is kind of out of his element, maybe he is injured, maybe he has this, yep. this eye condition, whatever it is, it's going to be harder for him to smooth out the rigidity of it. So you've taken the the the, the tablecloth off the table and you're starting to see the grains in the wood, and you're seeing the cracks, and you're seeing the bumps. Shock have a really hard time making engagements, and you look at that game versus Houston, specifically on King's Row, really passive, hard, kind of rigid ways to approach these fights. Nobody's really going forward. They're kind of just always playing on the back foot. Dante's just like taking all the space away from Kaluge. Yes, is that a Sam issue? Definitely could be. Less low DPS presence. Mikey's on ball. I didn't really care for it either. He also didn't seem to have much of a presence. It doesn't seem like he was synced up with any of the DPS either. So it's like when you don't have the, 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 
how to say this, like the insurance policy of proper, just like fragging out or pulling resources. Yeah. It's going to be a little rough. Yeah. It's going to be kind of hard to hard to play. And I go back to kickoff clash because again, I think a lot of the lessons we learned from kickoff clash, we can apply here. What did shock do in game five situations in the kickoff clash? They went back to the basics, baby. They pulled out the Lucio, they pulled out the Moira and they had very clear engaged tools. I think they're, I'll say this. I think going forward in the countdown cup, I think if the shocker going to succeed with proper possibly being injured, you have to return to basics. And that's going to look really, really strange for some compositions, but it's going to like make the game script very clear for them. And I think that's where they thrive. I think you need like, I think communication is probably difficult and you need a clear game script. That's what I'll say. I'm curious. Do you guys think this is a temporary thing for the shock or are they like going to have a bad stage? You know what I mean? Like, is this, is this like, yeah, they had a bad week, say. but shock are about to bounce back. You know, they're about to play Toronto, watch them clap Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Cause I personally so feel like hard. there's a couple of tweaks they can do very oh, for sure. immediately. And just, just even within the composition, just change a couple things in the comp. Play a bit mm-hmm. more Kaluge. I'd like to see them play a bit more Zarya personally, but that's my that's my taste. Uh, sure. it, uh, as, as far as I see, NA meta goes, they just they just do different shit. Um, and yeah, I'm just just call, just color me surprised at Houston Outlaws with a Dante Diva that beat yeah. the shock. Yeah, and by and this is the other interesting thing as well is that when you look at Merritt and Pelican, you would you would have thought on paper Merritt would be your somber player and Pelican would be your tracer player. Given that Pelican has historically played a lot of Tracy, he played Tracer for Atlanta last year. Uh, Merritt won in a Sombra meta from O2 Blast. He played Sombra next to Proper's Tracer uh, last year as well. And yet their roles are swapped. Merritt's on Tracer, Pelican's on Sombra. So I found, I found that quite interesting. And yet they made that work. Dante made his Diva work. Yeah, I, I know Dante played Diva about a million years ago in the Dark Ages. <laughs> okay. Okay, before we knew what bronze was, uh, and I'm not talking about the ranking, I'm talking about the material bronze, the metal bronze. Before we knew yeah. bronze work and, and iron, we, we had some Dante Diva. I do understand, fellas, before Shout the barbarians took over Rome. Okay, I do. I know my history. But still, he's a DPS player that hasn't played. Yeah. This has not been his hero. Like, let's be honest. So I'm just surprised that Outlaws beat Shock this handily. I think most people are. Credit to the Shock, though. I mean, I, so. they, they were very surprisingly good. So, yeah. Houston, Houston looked like a force. And and to the question, like, is this shock? Like, is this bad omens for shock? It's hard to say. It's week one. Yes, they did lose to some, like, pretty beatable teams that you would just write off. You you lose 3-2 to the Justice. That's that's kind of a gimme for you. And then to Houston, can if I, can there I was say a that's, team. That was um, that, that Washington loss. That one feels owed. That one feels like it's been coming for a while. The sure. amount of times yeah. that Justice have taken Shock to five, Very true. Yep. and not only taken them to five, but actually had the match point versus Shock yep. and forced them to reverse sweep too many fucking times. Yeah. And I, I, had, I had always felt like one of these days, one of these Washington games, they just got to beat the Shock. Yep. Because they, it's been too damn close. Too many close scrapes of Shock almost losing Skating to the Justice. By. So I'm like, I, to me, I'm actually more surprised a lot more surprised by the Outlaws win than the Washington win because again, to me, we've been queuing up this out this 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 mm-hmm. Justice win for a while. That one's been that one's been coming yeah. for a while, in my opinion. I was very surprised so, to not immediately see uh, Outlaws play Dante also in the first match. 
the one with True. that joke. Yeah. 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 Or sometimes you have to kind of do one thing, have it potentially fail, uh, and then for that to be the kick up the butt for you to want to try something else. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. how I justify that. What can you do? Dogs on ping. Yeah, he's also he's a main tank player, right? I think NA has a bit of a off tank bias at the moment. I think, and also you can't argue with the results. Dante came in and beat the shark. Like what else? Yeah, yeah. Now I I think like if Dante plays against uh, Uprising, I think that match goes very differently. One hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And and looking at the macros macros for Houston with Dante. I don't know how he have feels. We, have about we moved this. into Houston talk now officially? Just for um, I don't know. Did anybody else want to say anything about the shock? Let's move on to Houston talk officially. Okay. Then we're talking about them versus Boston. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I I really like that match. Again, we talked about you know Boston potentially having you know uh, a comeback this stage, and I you know we we saw the merit of that this this team composition. We, we saw the punk. We saw him play you know well. Um, I think Boston, again, should be on people's radars. But for Houston in particular, and for Dante, I think you have the the, the writings on the wall for like a, the new super of the Overwatch League, right? I think Dante... Oh, who? Moving, who is the again? new super? Who is the new super? I think Dante has what it takes to be the new super. I think he probably really? should be. What do you mean uh, by that, by the way? You're talking about like player skill? You're talking about like as a personality? What What do you mean specifically? I, I think all of it, to be completely honest with you. I think in, in different ways. Obviously, he's not a Reinhardt player. Obviously, he's not a main tank player. But I think for the Houston Outlaws, a popular franchise. Are you sure league, he's not a main tank player? Because that's all he's fucking played this year. <laughs> well, he's play, he's played, uh, yes, he's played tank. But, like, he's played traditionally off tanks. You know, I think right. it, I think the definition's up there for, for Doomfist. But we're looking at him playing Diva now here that he kind of, was you know, mm-hmm. cut his teeth in. Um He's obviously a Western player on a Western franchise, predominantly playing tank for this team that is very popular. He's also a, a public and very popular figure. I think we have like a new poster child for this league in a position that kind of is a huge focal point. I think moving forward, and again, this is a Dante question at the end of the day, but from my money, I think... Dante should be the franchise tank player for the Houston Outlaws. I don't think he's a DPS. Player. I don't think he wants to. I don't. I think he still wants to play DPS though. Yeah, that's 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 a career decision on his behalf. But I would love to see him because I do think he has the chops to play tank. I think there are a lot of room. There's a lot of room for him to play tank in Overwatch Two and be extremely successful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you need clear definitions. I think. It, it just depends on what kind of players you uh, amass around him uh, going forward. Sure. But it more so than anything else, it just feels like he bends around the team that he has available, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think like it's it's basically whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a much better look and has been a much better look the entire yeah, season. All maybe, season. Maybe it's like wrong to just think about Dante as like this this guy that was slotted into a, an unfortunate position and just like recognize that this guy has been playing tank very well all season. Yes. Yep. And he knows how to he knows how to coordinate around his team. He knows what his team needs from him on the tank position, right? I don't think you can pay 
You give you give Houston Outlaws infinite money. Haha, <laughs> I, I get the joke. I didn't mean it for it to be a joke, but infinite money. Um, go throw it at space. Go throw it at a Western, you know, uh, tank player. And you try to plug it into the Houston Outlaws, and I think they per- they they perform like considerably worse than when they have Dante in. I think as flowery and as as ethereal as this is, I do think that he brings intangibles for this this group of players. That yes, he molds around them and he fills the gaps and whatever. But like he understands what his team needs from him, and he knows how to play within that system. Junkbuck knows what to do with Dante, right? I think it works beautifully and I think they have a successful blueprint moving forward and I don't want them to screw with it. I think this is like they, they have championship aspirations in front of them. If they leave Dante in the tank position, obviously it's up to him if he wants to continue playing it. I don't, I wouldn't don't want to, you know, pillory him if he, if he wants to play DPS, but I, I, I do believe Houston outlaws look at their best and look at and, and look yeah, like contenders yeah, to the title if Dante is in you know that starting position. Let's also bring up one other thing as well is uh, creatives look pretty good on this team on the Anna. Oh, for sure. Yeah, great. It is a good meta to come creative. in. Great start to donning the the green and black. Um, look fantastic. I I I really have a lot of a lot of praise to give Houston. I like their creative looks. I like their both both in terms of like the macro and the individual creative. Um, I liked how they tried to put um I liked how they tried to give Pelican the ball in the same way that I want to give Hisu the ball on Toronto. They're giving Pelican certain picks on certain points. You go back to the Kings or attack, he's playing Echo. Why the hell is this kid playing Echo? Because he's extremely good at it and there's a lot of verticality to get around and try to get picks. Wouldn't be surprised if they try to put him on Genji on certain maps that are very similar in attributes to that one specific point on attack. Um yeah, I think Junk's doing a great job. I, I really, really like this team moving forward. So, Houston's big ups for me. Where are they for you now? Top three team? I mean, I, I feasibly can't put them there in terms of like a loose power rankings because they lose to Boston. Yeah. But with the Dante look, judging that in a vacuum, I would say they're probably uh, within the top three, at least top four. Um, but in terms of going one and one, beating the shock, I'd probably put them top five, top six, somewhere in there. Assuming they don't play Dog and they keep playing Dante, they're probably yes. more right. like a top three. Like, yep. yeah, and we'll see how the meta develops as well. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sold on the double flex support look that uh, all these teams are going for. Sure. Um, I don't know. We, we, this is one of the metas where we have a very, very distinct look from two different regions in terms of their their like read on the meta and to i think the untrained eye you might look at it and be like what do you mean they're playing the same things yes and no yeah. uh not yes and not really um, do we want to bring up uh, any more na teams before we move on to apac we also have uh, also gone i have so many apac questions pretty deep i have all the, the apac episode. questions why don't we just cover one more team in na i feel okay. like this one is worth covering uh, i brought it up slightly already but dallas fuel yeah, we think surprising. Dallas Fuel are the best team in NA currently. They are the defending champions from Summer Showdown. Are they also yep. currently the best team? Yes. Yeah. Difficult to say, but oh. probably. Yeah. Or who would who 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 else could be the best team? It, I think for me, they haven't. 
it's it's tough to say. I think you can maybe point to Glads, even though I have some very big questions around them as well. Um, I think they're another team with like a X player go kill mentality, and the mm. neutral could be a little suspect. Um, Dallas, once again, they have a very clear game script on how they want to play their games. Is it a little funny to see Edison on Genji? You bet your sweet ass it is. But it works for them. It's successful. And I think that's probably also to Justice's credit. I haven't gone through a fine-tooth comb with their games, but I think a lot of the same attributes that the that Dallas have, I think you could pass on to Justice as well. So I think Dallas are very direct I, in how they approach fights. And I, for my money, they would have to be the best team. I the think if they stick to Han Benzari, then they are the best. Yep. My only issue comes in... If they start forcing too much Junker Queen in there, I think that's sure to me that's a bit a of a meme at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as Glads goes, and uh, this kind of applies to Justice as well. Mm-hmm. They're both playing too much Doomfist for my liking. I'm not a. Fair. I don't think Doomfist is I, for the same reasons. I don't think Ball is good in this meta. I don't think Doomfist is good in this meta. Too many counters for Doomfist. Yeah. Um. On top of Tracer existing, by the way, it's not just Sombra and Anna, there's a fucking Tracer in there too. Yep. It's all I like, all of Doomfist's like worst case scenario, like absolute worst heroes you want to play against are kind of in this meta at the moment, so it does kind mm-hmm. of, uh, and also they, they still haven't given him his slowback. Yeah. So he's still just missing a big tool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, um, I mean, they, let's be, let's be clear about something. Dante even played the Doom into Boston and lost. So we can't even... It's not like you can blame the entire series on Doe because Dante actually did play map one. Um, But yeah, like... NA is also playing a lot of D.Va. Harmon can play that. He's obviously one of the best D.Vas that we've had historically. Um, Doha and Sombra. Fielder, Anna, Chio, Lucio. I mean, these are all the great... Dallas Field's greatest hits, isn't it? Like, they're all just playing the best heroes. I mean, the only only player on on a particular hero you might question mark a little bit is Edison. But again, I, I can explain great I can explain that pick, uh, that selection of, of player in the roster simply by saying that Fuel, at least to me, this is my perspective and my read of what the Fuel are doing. They rate Edison's Reaper very highly. Because yes. he is their designated Reaper player. Correct. Now again, as much as I think Reaper's a bit of a meme in terms of like how hard could this hero really be, you know, teams still rate their players on this hero on these heroes particularly highly like so much so that they 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 rate edison reaper so highly they would rather have edison into play the genji than sparkle just because of the flexibility of like well we might want edison to also flex the reaper in the same map and therefore because of that alone they want to play edison on both genji and reaper instead of having sparkle and genji which is a powerful thing to have on a single player if edison can make the genji work as well but just goes to show the priority of Russia's mind in terms of what yes. he believes is important. Yeah, it's it's also the case that it's not like Edison is like new to the hero. If you guys remember back when he was on the mm-hmm. rain, he actually benched Erster and the uh, during a Genji meta. And like the explanation back then was oh, that Erster is more of a you know low resource player, while Edison likes taking some. When was this? What year was this? Season three, right? Twenty twenty, yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do know that I can't remember. It might have been season two now that I think of it. But I do know there was a period of time when Ursa was pretty boomed on the rain. Sure. Like the guy was like self benching and he was, he was benching himself on the rain at one. I, I don't, I, the timeline to me is a bit messed up because I can't remember when that was. Sure. 
but if it overlaps with what you're saying, then he the real reason might just because it be because Ursa's mental boomed and he couldn't play, yeah. decided not to play. But if you are correct, and I'm wanting to give you benefit of the doubt here because again I can't remember the timelines exactly, mm. then yeah, you know that could be the case too. Yeah, and Edison didn't play badly when I oh, if I recall. great, right? Like, yeah. Oh, back then I barely can remember that. Mm-hmm. Back on the rain. Yeah, that's, that one's a tough one. I'm not gonna lie to you. 2020 is the season I remember the least. The plague years, baby. It was baby. the most forgettable season for me. I agree. So hard. I agree. I have much stronger memories of season one, two, four, obviously because I casted it, and then obviously sure. five as well. But for some reason, three, just like I don't know that one. That whole year was a mush. There's just, just so much going hole. on. I mean, the whole year yeah. was a black hole for me. It's it's mm-hmm. it's like you go from very defined metas to an absolute mumbo jumbo. Every week is confetti. That might have been it. That might have been it. And <laughs> like you, you. I think we talked about it on Crouch back in the day, right? When we talked about like there is nothing your for your mind to hold on to. It's yeah. like you people play games in the end. Shock win the second set championship. Thank you very much. See you next year. Yep. Like <laughs> that All was. Right. Yeah. That so it. I, back on track, I personally yes. do think Dallas is the, the best team because they get to play all their greatest hits. Uh, Hanbin's already dominated meta on Zarya previously, so if he stays on yeah. that, he's going to have a good time. Yeah. Everyone's playing their best heroes. I mean, as far as the meta goes, feel, I mean, this is, this is you've kind of hit jackpot here because everyone gets to play everything they want to. Uh, and and they're, some of them are considered best in class for their heroes as well, so it's like, what Can more I do you want? You- I, I agree. I think for, for your money, you kind of have to put Dallas ahead. But can I give you two names that I think are probably going to be the closest competitors? Okay, an assassin. No. Uh, okay. Well, no. Um, Sorry, go on. I don't suspect that Shock is going to get it together to be like in form to be like Dallas's rivals until like the end. Obviously, we don't have another tournament to kind of play through, but <sighs> just in terms of form, I don't think it's the Shock. I don't think it's the Gladiators currently. And I think it's going to be really hard for it to be the Gladiators if they don't do something like very off meta, if you will. I think they have potential to, but it's very high risk reward. I think for my money, in terms of the meta that has been established or loosely established within week one, I think the two biggest competitors for the Dallas Fuel just running away with this stage are probably Atlanta and Houston. Am I crazy for saying that? No, I think uh, that sounds about right. Um, because I, I, well, I'm still a little bit unsure about Ryan or Glads. Again, I feel like they're probably forcing a little, yeah, too much. When, uh, sorry, forcing a little too much doom at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some question marks about whether they should be playing space instead because we're in more of an off tank meta, at least for NA. Yeah. But I'm I'm willing to agree with those top three picks that you've you've stated that uh, the closest challenges are definitely Houston and Rain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cool. Hey, pack it I, is. I, I, I the one thing I will say is I yeah, yeah. think we should probably expect a pretty big shakeup in not just the meta but also power levels after in this week. In week two. Yeah, I think. Like everyone okay. said, like this meta is far from figured out, and oh, for this, sure, yeah. It's going like, even like, like you saw, like some teams like Houston adjusted like between the first and the second game for them, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's 
It's also maybe ha had been a pretty considerable disadvantage for the Defined because they were done with both games by Friday. That was I found yeah. that to be interesting. Like I, I don't think I've seen that pattern before. So yeah, I say think, again. Who what, what who's doing what now? Like Toronto played on Thursday and then on Friday as well. So the first two yeah. match days and then Saturday Sunday they didn't play at all, right? So yeah, so they had like an extended amount of time to just sit and review and rethink and yeah, for sure that and like they had less time to adjust between match one to match two if they play the first on Thursday and the last one on Sunday while they can watch yeah. all the other teams play maybe that also turns out differently but um, yeah I don't know like I think we'll probably have to I, I, I expect a pretty big shake up in the in some of the power rankings and how they look um, mm -hmm. but we'll see I agree I agree. Could be some some big improvements, but we'll have to see. What are your questions about APAC? Go on. My questions. My APAC power hour. Um, is Archung do the real deal? Obviously, we kind of talked the uh, last show about Leave and Jinmu possibly being put. You know, we talk about the Dallas Fuel biggest hits. You know, are, is this the Chengdu Hunters? You know, greatest hits. You know, you've got the Jinmu on the Sombra. You've got the Leave on the Tracer. I don't even know if that's exactly how they they had the duo kind of paired up. But I'll, I'll leave the floor open for you with Chengdu. Like, is that are are they actually like contenders right now? No. Chengdu. Chengdu. Are Chengdu contenders? Is that your question? So, Joe. No. Yeah. Hello. Y yes, I think they are contenders. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You talking about Chengdu, right? I think they are Correct. contenders. Yes, yes. Chengdu. That's yeah. contenders. That's the beauty of Chengdu. Like one week they look like title contenders, next week they look like contenders. So I I think that they are in for a massive market correction uh, as well. I have definitely been burned by week 3 Chengdu before. So admittedly I think um I'm willing to you know, kind of just holding my breath a little bit here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I currently, based on what I've seen in the first week, yes, I think they are looking fucking fine. Any meta okay. where you can finally put, like, leave on his signature tracer pick, right? Uh -huh. uh, Jimmy back on the Sombra that he's always classically been very strong on, and or uh, Gaga on Winston, Monk on an Anna, like, holy fuck, man, you're playing... A lot of these players, really strong heroes. Now, APAC has a different read on the meta because they're playing a lot more Winston, they're playing a lot more main tank plays instead of off tank plays. Mm. Uh, I explained this on Flat Chat as just like a difference in roster construction because if you look at NA rosters, they have a lot more off tank True. players on their teams True. and very few main tank players on their teams. And what main tank players do exist in NA are almost all like not almost all yeah a lot of them are kind of benched you know they, they're kind of permanently benched guys like gator is you know i feel for him but like hawk's just playing all the games for sure and when you have hawk on the teams he's not going to be as good on the ryan and the winston it's just not going to happen um and so because you have an entire region dominated by off tank players because they're like almost exclusively what exists on the teams then everyone yes everyone's going to play zarya and diva of course and the reason why diva's getting played is because She's like the off tank dive hero. If you if you can't play Winston, you're playing Diva. She's the she's the version of a dive hero for an off tank hero pool. That's just how it is. Um, 
What else is different? You have double flex support in NA. If you look at all the NA rosters, a lot of the teams either have three supports, two of them are flex supports, or they only have two supports, but they're both flex support plays like Shock, right? Uh, and I know they're not the only ones. And it's not surprising to me. Like, it's just not surprising that like NA are heavily in that direction. Whereas you look at the APEC rosters, a lot more main tank players, and most of the support duos are the very standard one main support, one flex support. They don't have a lot of double flex support players and then on, on their rosters. Only maybe one or two teams have double flex support options. And that's like teams like Dragons because they have three supports and one of them's maybe. So that's where the main differences are. And so like when, when you look at APAC and you look at like Gaga being in the mix, and there's a lot of Winston being played anyway, yeah, he's doing fine. He's doing extremely well actually. Um what else? Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why Chengdu is doing well because everyone's playing some of their best heroes and they know how to play Winston Sombra Trace to Die, but they built their entire year off that in 2021. When it comes to another kind of big talking point that we had last show was uh, around Shanghai and obviously their record, uh, at least the stage, isn't, isn't phenomenal. And we kind of, you kind of loosely touched on it. Well, with, zero you know, two, zero two is not fantastic, but um, is it is it around something in particular regarding you know Lips Hero Pool? Is it too much Sombra? Is it too little? Is it a second you know DPS threat? I think that was one of my big concerns was because I definitely haven't like value or evaluated Flooded to be like the consistent threat that I think we have seen him be in the past so for your money what uh kind of what's what's shanghai's problem is is it is it one thing is it many things is it as simple as that it's because moon doesn't take stage four very seriously okay we're on no, the same um, back tip no um <laughs> yeah look i i break it down to a couple things one mm. uh you do have to look at flitter um I don't think he's a bad player, but I think he's not as exciting as he was last year, and that's a big, that's a bit of a problem because sure. you need you need twenty twenty one Flitter yeah. to come in if you want to have him have a actual starting position on your roster and to win games. Because uh, when you look at other teams and you have Profit Fits, and then you have Stalker on the on the sidelines who can just pound like man, Solar having their way with you if they can have two good DPSs, two like extremely good DPS on the field at any given time, and Lip is having to carry extra weight because Flitter is just an okay player at the moment. Mm. Um, he needs to, he's, he's a good player, but he needs to pop the fuck off if like, if Dragons will actually want to be a top team. Right. Um, I am at the point where like, I don't think it's a coincidence that every single meta, every single stage, but who are you as the starter and just strong Genji right. meta? Shanghai yeah. looked amazing. That is not a coincidence. So and and then the metas where who are you is not a starter and is not a strong Genji meta, Shanghai look a little bit mid. That's yeah. not a coincidence. Um, another thing is is I think Shanghai and they're not completely figured out on top of in terms of what lips playing is he on Sombra or is he on Sojin because yeah. they started him on Sojin and they abandoned that now sorry they started him on Sombra now they then they abandoned that and put him on Sojin instead and I mm. think it's difficult for them to land on what the actual pick is and part of the issue is. 
is that the answer might be that you have to play both. Maybe you have to play both Sojin right. and Sombra, but Shekai can't because both of those players exist in a single person for their team. Unless Fleta brings out a Sojin, but I don't think the team's willing to do that, and I don't know if and I don't know if it's going to be good enough. Um, <clears throat> you also have a bit of mixing and matching on the support line. They were doing some stuff with Bebe as well, attempting mm -hmm. some double flex support. Um, you know, and then they gave up on that in the second game. They were like, no, okay, we're not going to play Bebe. We're not going to play Bebe, and we're not going to play Sombra, is what they said for the second match versus Guangzhou. Um, I would like to see them maybe give Void another shot and play some okay. Zarya. I would like to see them maybe lean more towards what the Dallas Fuel are doing and be like, you know what? We can just spam Zarya here. I don't know if I believe in the Diva, but I do believe in the Zarya. And I do believe that with, with Piggy kind of showing and lighting the way for APAC as well and being like, look, we are Guangzhou Charge. We only have two off tanks who play exactly the same heroes who are literally only good on the same two heroes. We're just going to spam Zarya. We're just going to one-trick Zarya and make it work. And my goodness, did they just make it work? Um, and they're also a team that also proved that maybe Sombra's not even required in this manner. Just play Sojin. Play Sojin Tracer. Play Sojin Genji. Play Sojin Reaper. And I think Philadelphia Fusion are also banking on the same thing. They're playing mostly... Yeah. They're playing Fury a lot of the times. And Fury... Fury's been pounding on the Zarya. He was so mm. good on the Zarya. Holy shit, he was good. That's what you need. I think that's what you need. So I think, like, for, for Shanghai... I boil it down to them not really figuring out what their starting lineup is and who's playing what and what that composition okay. is. And also, I think there's, there's maybe a couple positions on the team that are looking a lot, a little average compared to their previous year. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those is Fletter. I'm also, look, I got to be real. I have to, I have to call it out. I, I think Lee Jagon's not been as good this year as last year. Truly. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm going to put that out there as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you can rely on Lip to just get a 3-4k every fight. I don't think Lip can be... You can't You can't just pretend Lip is proper. You can't just put on the proper cosplay. Right. That's, I don't think that works for this team. No. no. Agreed there. It definitely sounds like there, there are a few teams in the league that suffer from the uh, X-player go-kill uh, team fight uh, game script. Staying with Shanghai for a second... Um, I think one of the big narratives is that, you know, they start slow. They have to, you know, grow into themselves. Uh, do you have any kind of like concern? Or <laughs> do you have any concern with Shanghai going into the playoffs with potentially a new patch and, and, and a huge meta shakeup? Do you think that they could maybe start playoffs a little slow <sighs> and maybe get upset? Or is that a little too far out? Right, if you lose two games in playoffs, your season's done. So, I mean, at this right? stage, like... They better hope Eziaki's a god at Kariko. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to say it. No matter what right. happens, they need to force Genji. Fuck right. it. Force that shit. Yeah. I don't care. Is it a Genji meta? No. Who cares? Play it anyway. Don't care. Who are you? Make it Go. a Genji meta. Make it yeah. a Genji meta. I'm convinced at this stage that Shanghai cannot win without who are you. They literally need to ham fist that guy as hard as possible and force yeah. him into the lineup. I don't care. <clears throat> it's the only pathway. Imagine okay. not thinking that Bebe wasn't going to be the best Kiriko in the world. <laughs> Ace player. I mean, look. I'm open to it. Uh, I don't think it'll happen, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not out, I'm not ruling it out, but I'm also not betting on it. Uh, no, for sure. 
That would be amazing. Like, I know. That's, uh, of course, not, not very likely to happen, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, feel like, yeah. Bebe would be like the worst, the worst feeling Kiriko to play against because, like, he would just hit you with that, like, shit eating grin every time he, like, assassinates you. Dude, that shit eating like, grin is fuck. living rent free in my head. <laughs> it's unreal. Like we we need picture. to see that. Yeah. That what were you going to say? Continue. No, but I think, like, this is probably just like the the well known like early in stage dragons fumble. I think uh, yeah. they're they're likely to come back, and also they're also famously one of the only teams that ever have successfully sent back. So I'm not True. too concerned at this point. <laughs> <laughs> successfully sandbagged. Oh my goodness! Oh, another team that's I hate, success that, I hate that that's true. <laughs> this this also goes for Atlanta as well. Shout out to Brad. I think another team that to rightfully have sandbagged. Uh, I think stage two, no, season two, stage four. I think he came out and said, like, yeah, we're going to take it kind of light. We're going to focus on playoffs. But um, I have to more. assume Shanghai is going to maybe struggle. The last question for me is a Prita, uh have charge fumble a Prita. Should he be playing? But do they need them? I don't know. Uh, the the problem facts. is, man, Choice One is a monster right now. Look. Every time you're like, oh, could could a Prita be playing? And then you see Choice One get play of the match, you're like, yeah, no, I don't think a Prita can play. Choice One's too good. Yeah. The problem is, is like hero pool wise, a Prita has to be either a better Sojin than Jimmy or a better Trace than Choice One yeah. slash Genji. And the truth is, he probably just isn't. Jimmy Sojin is actually fucking nasty. And Choice One is like actually an insane player. Choice One is. As much as I hate to say it, way too fucking good for the charge. Like, if any other team yeah. gets that player, holy shit! Yeah. Can I can I hit you with an, uh, a a trade? Because I think we've had trade offer, trade offer, trade offer alert. Woo woo, bing bong. All right, you ready? Get, I get. What do I get? What do you get? If you're if you're Coach Moon, you're the Shanghai Dragons, and you go look. Looking? I got I got I got one former MVP. Oh no! For a future MVP, nah, 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 do you nah. trade Fleta for a choice A one? Why would Fleta do that? I, I don't think Charge. Matter? I don't does think, he get a th Does he get a say in this? I don't think Charge let go of choice A one like that. I think they keep choice A one. He's too good. Not even if like Shanghai like sweetens the deal and just like greases up that slides in some extra cash. I don't know what Charge's pr priority is. Do they want to win or do they want cash? I actually don't know. Hard to, I mean, like, factual. Presumably, yeah, very, this very true. guy's contract is up this, uh, by the end of the season as well, right? I think Choi's contract is already up at the end of the season, yeah. Yeah. It's so going to be, be a hot free agency. Been, yeah, because he was probably only on a one plus one. Yeah. And all the Shanghai guys are on their third year of Shanghai as well. Yeah. So they're this. To, this year is the end of their three years with Shanghai, which means most likely the the contracts are up. You kind of see so what no, I'm saying. So the like, answer is the answer is no. Trade offer denied. Fair. Yeah. Like conceptually, do you kind of like get where I'm going? Like, like, yeah, if we play within like the reality of like both contracts are ending, Fleta's stock is like possibly at an all time low. Choi is skyrocketing in terms of a star player. You have a team that's you know former Overwatch League champions looking for a a 
hyperflex or a potential hyperflex. I don't know if we can call Choi hyperflex just yet. Maybe you, you know, have a better read on that. Um, I feel like he's just destined to go to the the, the, the Shanghai Dragons. Is that crazy to say? He could I feel like he's everywhere. just built. He's just built to be a dragon. He could go everywhere. I think he could go to Toronto. He could probably. <laughs> How do you think about this? Mm. I don't hate that move. I think that's actually pretty good. Him, him, and Hisu is a great duo. Ashok is unlikely. That's not the type of pickup. I think Brad would take him. Uh, I, I, yeah, that that checks out. I think Houston might. They kind of probably have to make up for a Pelican loss, right? Um, Possibly, yeah. I think in... Yeah, I don't know. There, there are a lot of destinations. I also think, like, Moon talked about people wanting to retire. That My first f first thought was flat us out of here. For sure. I also, legitimately, like, if you give me... Like, if, if I'm charged, why would I want Fledder? Like... That's that's a losing play, I think. I think you overestimate how how uh, how big name recognition influences maybe underperforming franchises and sports in general. No, I feel like European football probably has that as well. For right? the, like you have a star. Yeah, but like that guy also like maybe is well spoken or is like actually, you know, marketable. Fleta is like, I put yeah. clothes on once a year. <laughs> Like, come on. I mean, I, I think I think you undersell Fletus' marketability. I don't think he's trying to be marketable. I think the community is just rallied around him as a player and his story and maybe just, you know, his success. I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that he's he's pretty popular in terms of a player. Um, Avril, any any way in? And do you, do you think, like you said, is, is Choi really too good? And do you expect him to, like, really be... Is is Choi the proper of, of of the charge? Is he just running around killing people, or is this a team that actually can compete on like a strategy, oh, strategic no, level? No, they're they're every part of their roster kind of got upgraded, so I think they're just doing well. Okay. Basically, everyone was like, "Man, imagine Choi with a real team," and then charge like, "All right, bet," and they gave Choi a real team. So, yeah, I think Charge is doing well. They still need to escape the bottom two, though. Or sure, they just need to escape one. the Valiant. Valiant are trying to catch up, and you just don't want to be last place. <laughs> Payback yeah. is what the deal is. Um, all right, Joe. Let's talk about the other Joe team. Spark. Spark. Oh no! Two new support players. Yeah. How did that go? <laughs> Genuinely though, like, did they did they have did they have anything to kind of stand on, or was this just rough around the edges the entire way through? They won. Maps. I genuinely. I oh, man, this is this, the team is so. I hate it. Fucking crazy. Yeah. I hate that shit. So <sighs> and we talked about this last show. It's like, yeah, I get you have to do it, but it doesn't mean I have to like it because I know that this shit's going to happen. Like, it's going to be another growing pain. It's it's rough. It's going to be it's going to be rough. Yeah. yeah, I could totally see that they play the, that support line for the rest of the season. Like I said last, yeah. last time, it's yep. shit sucks so much, dude. I assume they have some major internal issues, is what I get at. It feels yeah. like it. I gotta assume it. Like, I just think there's there's no way... It's stinky. There's no way they just bend Irony and Super Rich, and by the way, they put all this effort into getting Irony into China, only mm -hmm. for them to just instantly bench him, like, come on. Yeah. Uh, 
there's got to be some issues going on in the team, and I feel bad for them because, like, this team year after year, they do well early on, first two stages look good, stage three start to fall apart, stage four they completely shit the bed. I don't know, this, it's two years in a row they've done this, I, maybe even three, I can't remember what happened in 2020 again, that's a, that year's a bit of a write-off <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, don't think we're sharp. I don't know, like, particularly good. Yeah, like Shy and Alfie are still good, I guess. Yeah. Um, this team as well might yeah. try Burner. I think that I think they've still got options. They might just try Burner Zarya, see how that goes. Um, okay. You know, I I'm I'm slowly leaning towards Zarya being the the more ideal pick for APAC, even though they want to play at Winston Dive. Sure. And it's just be, and part of the reason I believe that is because Zarya enables Genji. And Genji is like the hero of APAC. Like everyone's got, a, everybody's got a good Genji, sure. which means you should be incentivized to play more Genji. If you want to unlock Alpha, you got to put him back on Genji. That's my that's my read on that. Um, Valiant beat Fusion, but I think both teams are pretty reasonable. Fusion, obviously, you know, I think they get memed on a little bit here, but they still have some legs within them. That I feel like with off the back of Fury's Aria. They mm -hmm. could probably get some stuff done. Um, Valiant's an interesting case. <clears throat> they have some pieces that genuinely look good. Like even Becky, I think Becky was like kind of memed upon a little bit. But currently, his his traces somehow came out and just became nutty. Like I don't know, I've never seen his tracer this good before. Easy Han as well is hitting some crazy good shots as a hit scan play. This guy's impressing me a lot as well. Dia comes out on the watermaker, out snipes him in three. Holy shit! Um, it's impressive. Marvel's in there, and Marvel actually out, I would say out Sigmund Fury a little bit. So despite Ooh. all this complimentary complimenting of Fury's Aria, I think Marvel actually played a better Sigma than Fury, which is crazy to say. Mm -hmm. uh, Marvel is a Sigma player though. I spent one of his signatures. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Shout out um, go back to his soul and, days for and sure. Molly's Molly's been solid. Like watching Molly's gameplay, uh, teams try and dive on top of him. Molly Molly takes forever to kill. Right, your Anna mm. player, your flex support player, generally their life is forfeit. They all know that. <laughs> but Molly, Molly delays that death so long, and mm. he makes it as painful as possible for those DPS and tanks trying to dive him. He just wastes their time, and he makes it grueling to kill him. And I think that's a mark of a great flex support player. One where, like, you know your life is forfeit, but you're going down swinging. You're going down swinging yeah. hard. And the other team's like, this is taking like five to ten seconds way longer than we need, and this is a real big waste of our time. So yeah, there's that. I'm I'm always here for some Molly love. Shout out to Molly. I, Leon, Molly. I, I'm loving hearing that because now I'm excited to go watch some Valiant games. Obviously, not a team that's been on my radar, and I have to pick and choose which games to watch. Um, but no, if if you've got if you've got really good things to say about the Valiant, I might have to go peruse some vods. For the old blue and blue and yellow. I don't know if they can keep that up versus better teams, but so far I think they've been reasonable. Actually, you know, we already seen them versus Soul. Yeah. And I made this comment already. Despite losing, they they looked very competitive versus Soul, despite losing three over zero three. You think they have like a good week next week? Valiant play both Chengdu Hunters and the Hangzhou Spark. Is that a one one or is there a potential? I for think that's a possible one one. I think well Okay. There's always room for a 2-0 there because you never know the Chengdu, right? Sure. Once, you the, once you get in the zone, <laughs> anything can happen. Very true. But uh, unless Spark do something massive, they look—they do not look strong at the moment. Mm. I would say they look beatable. I would say that okay. Valiant could probably get them there. Gotcha. So, hey, Valiant already 
got one win. Why not more? Uh, Chengdu legitimately look like the second best team in the region, which is scary. Oh, so it's like Seoul, Chengdu, Shanghai. Nah, you move. You keep moving Shanghai down. It's probably <gasps> Seoul, Chengdu, Guangzhou okay. at the moment. Hey, damn! All right, APAC looking spicy. Really shaking things up. Do you do? You, and I feel like again, we've we've said this time and time again on the show with Shanghai. Do you expect them to make some significant changes coming into week two? It feels like after week <sighs> two is when they really start to get their shit together. Week two is always like rough again, right? Shanghai in a weird space because they don't actually need to win. Technically sure, speaking, yeah. they don't even need to win. They can just choose to lose or just whatever and they can just, you mm -hmm. know, chill. Right. But, uh, you know, I think they probably still want to get some good seating, so they'll probably try and change some stuff up. The Countdown Cup barely matters to them anyway, like, because we're going to be in a new meta. Like, you you can put a lot of attention to Countdown Cup only for that to change when you get to playoffs, so. Right. Cool. Pick one game you're looking forward to, and we're going to wrap up for next week. Um, Give me... Since we're in APAC, I'll stay in APAC. Give me Soul Charge. I think if Charge are on, okay, on this, this bender, I like Soul. I like Charge. Charge stocks to the moon. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really interested. That's going to be a big litmus test for me um, as a light APAC viewer uh, to really see how good Charge are and if they can compete with Soul because the Soul is already going like mildly close for Valiant. How how big is that Delta away in that top three power ranking? It's Again, I when I say close, big... I mean like it feels close, but the result is still a 3-0. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Like, each match is competitive. It's not like a steamroll. Like, Soul had to fight for these wins versus the Valiant. I think, like, their match versus the Charge is really going to show either how far apart they are or, you know, some cracks, some some ways that teams can maybe manipulate them. So I think that's a that's a that's one to keep your eyes on. I got Shock Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because Atlanta, we've already kind of decided is one of the top teams in N8. Mm -hmm. And Shock are kind of like trying to make a bit of a comeback here. So it will be quite a challenge. Uh, and, you think they win? You know, who win? Do you think Atlanta beats them? I, I think they do. I, I think, think Atlanta beats Shock. It is certainly within striking distance for sure. Depends mm -hmm. on what Shock's read into week two looks like. Sure. As I mentioned, you know, a couple of small tweaks here or there could see the shot coming back pretty big. Agreed, agreed. So, Jessica, yeah. you got a game? It's hard because, like, theoretically, I kind of want to say London Glads, but you oh. don't really know oh. what the what the bag or like how good both of them are. Where you got an idea how good they are. Actually, uh -huh. just Bro, just just say Dallas, right. Vancouver. Come on, just do it. <laughs> no, I, I I think I'm I'm taking Justice Rain just because like they seem to you know maybe that True. one goes to map five as well, and then it's like who wins that one? Um, it's it's also once again like still absolutely miraculous like what what Justice mm -hmm. is doing given their uh, situation. Agreed, agreed. Um, well, sometimes less is more. Like sometimes having less heroes means more fun, guys. And sometimes well, restrictions. Remember, less... remember, <laughs> as you said, Yuska, okay. roster building is just buying tickets. 
you're just playing RNG, you're playing the full RNG wheel spin, but the more plays you have, the more flexible, uh, the more spins you get. However, if you have next to no spins and next to no tickets available, but you still luck the fuck out anyway in the meta, yeah. then I guess it doesn't matter. Because yep. you get to play Assassin Sombra, you get to play Decay Tracer or Genji, you get to play Kalios on Diva and Zarya, and yeah. well, maybe maybe not the Doomfist, you should probably not do that. But <laughs> He's playing Arisa! And, and then you can just play Krillin and Opener on whatever heroes. You, I'm sure they're fine. I don't, you know, I'm don't. i not going to yeah. say they're the best at those heroes, but they're okay. You know? yeah. They're serviceable. What I'm basically saying is Washington have lucked out in a, in a really good meta, like a reasonable meta for them. So uh, they don't have a lot of tickets, but hey, they chose the right numbers on what little mm-hmm. tickets they had. I also think they're kind of close to direct qualification in terms of their standings, right? Am I wrong? That's both Justice and... Uh, no, Rain... Yeah, yeah, I mean... That one's going to be hard. I don't know. For just. Well, they make planes close, no matter what. But... They definitely make planes. You have to get yes. top six here, so they're three points behind the Rain, who's currently holding number six. Yeah, that's unlikely to be the case. That one's rough. Yeah. But they're probably a shoe-ins for play-ins, right? Depending on the, the playoff meta and tell you what, however that playoff patch hits. But. London could lose a spot here. Because if they go 0-2 and two this week yeah. and remain at 15, and teams like Florida and Toronto start winning, oh dear. Yeah, come London are in trouble. Defined. So they got to be careful. london got to be careful here. Dude, Defined against Mayhem Next week is going to determine a lot here. Sheesh. Okay. You want to know what my favorite part of the standings is? This, this part makes no sense, by the way, but it's just really funny. Philadelphia Fusion in third place above the spark with a negative record. Yeah. Nine and 11, 40 to 42 maps and a negative two map differential. Yeah. But they're above the spark with a positive record. Yes. I find that so funny. A Big Philly points, with a maybe. negative record or above. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that is so their identity though is they, they're such a hot and cold team yep. Yep. that like at their absolute peaks they're making deep tournament runs giving them bonus points but because they have so low lows as well they, they've lost more than the spark yeah. yep. so they should be below the spark if we're doing pure like you know wins and losses but they're mm. above because their peaks are high enough that they've made deep tournament runs That's, this, is, this is just how the fusion work I love that. I agree. That that is that is the most fusion stat line. Damn. Yeah. I right. really like that. Then we're done. Two sixty four. We out of here. Look forward to next week. Sorry, we can do more previews. We spent a, a very long time on the blog posts. There's some stuff to get on there. That's it. It'd be how it is. Good day. See you next time. Peace.